This is exactly right. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! This is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I am Lisa. And I am Kara. And you guys know what our little deal is here. We talk about an episode of SVU. We talk about the true crime that it's based on. And then we interview a fabulous guest from the episode. Yeah, but first we just gab a little bit. And breaking news. I mean, it's not really breaking. I'm sorry. You guys know that we record a little bit in advance of when the episodes come out. So... I did just hear this before we started recording, but you guys may have already heard of it. Or maybe some of you aren't really in the Twitterverse about where all the SVU gossip goes down. But Warren Light, the current showrunner, who, as we all know, ran the show from like season 13 after Neil Bear for many years. Then he left, then he came back, and he's been running it for, I think, season like 21, 22, 23. And he is um, leaving. He is leaving the show. He said that it's been very arduous to produce the show and run the show during COVID, and he wants to step back and take a break. More power to him. I need to stop. I need to see these episode titles stop. We need to yeah. go back to simpler, pithier titles. These like, and then the then there was the time they all fell down. Titles are making me nuts. None of them make sense. And it was like a cute idea for a little while. And now that we're getting into like the twenty fourth season, we got it. We got to stop. Um, they're turning into full tweets. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have any major thoughts on this. I just thought it would be relevant to our listeners, of course. And I just wish I had more knowledge of like working showrunners, but I do hope they go in a different direction in terms of not a man. Well, I was reading something too that was like, Dick Wolf, what's going on? OC's already been through three showrunners. I think that they were saying that the the uh, new original recipe showrunner might be leaving and now Warren Light's leaving. So I wonder if it's just like, I bet it's just also, yeah, producing hard television work. in COVID times is hard work, you know? Everyone says it's a well-oiled machine, which it is, but like, it definitely throws a wrench into the machine for there to be a global pandemic, so. And I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but we're so, and most of our friends are so within the line of work that we do, but I remember I was talking to just like a person in the world and I said showrunner and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, like I don't know if everyone knows what a showrunner is, but it's like, they oversee everything. They make sure the show fucking runs. So they have final say of like wardrobe, set, production, direction, writing. I mean, it's so much. That's why when I think of someone like Mindy Kaling, who is acting, writing, and show running, it's like, what the fuck is... Yeah. Take a nap. What is yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little, a little much. Um, but... Yeah, I hope we get, like, a cool not dude. I don't know. Just something different for SVU. Yeah, would I would. Great. I think it would be now is the time for SVU Or Neil Bear a- can come back. <laughs> yeah, now is the time for either Neil Bear to come back or for there to be a female showrunner of SVU. I cannot believe there's never been a female showrunner on that show. It is a show that is, I would say, primarily watched by women, even though we love all the men that watch it. It is a show focused on women and women's issues. I cannot, you know, Mariska's obviously a huge figurehead for the show, but I think they need, it's time, guys. It's 20, it's going to be 2020, 
two and three for this. Let's go. So yeah, we'll be watching the deadline we'll be watching news the close. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, industry newspaper and magazines, so embarrassing. I mean, our whole career is just humiliating. <laughs> It's honestly, I know. But, when everybody, when people get one and they go, baby's first deadline, and you're like, oh. <laughs> but I'm happy for everyone. I'm happy. Um, no, it's like thrilling, but sometimes it's like, and they're going to this other job, and it's like, no one gives a shit. Oh, yeah. The deadlines that just announce like HR moves are kind of wild, <laughs> but you know. Um, but it's our biz and it's PR and it's needed. And like we, like Kara mentioned, we are in this weird time machine. We're trying our best to be as timely, whatever, get it all out there, constant. But Dave Chappelle got attacked. Yeah. So did the guy, so I, we, in case you didn't see this, uh, Dave Chappelle was on the stage at the Hollywood Bowl, which is like a massive, one of my favorite venues in Los Angeles, massive outdoor venue, um, like a, by the way, the Backstreet Boys are going to be there in June. Should we take Rosie or something? Or should we just go without her? I think I would go without her. I think three is a little young for a concert at the bowl, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah. Because I've like, never been to the bowl. So maybe a Backstreet Boy bowl Oh, that would be so be fun. I literally will. I have paid money to see stuff like in a box at the bowl. But I've also paid for crappy seats because I just think the bowl is amazing. I'll go see anything there. So you know? let's maybe um, let's uh, let's let's meet up after this recording and see if we can get a little let's Backstreet cross Boy reference moment our dates happen. and see what's yeah. going on. Okay, that Watch, sounds. I'm going to be out of town. <laughs> I know you're going to really... be like, I got the tickets, and then be like, I just booked a movie. <laughs> um, no, ugh, it's uh, I had a call back yesterday for something I really wanted, and the first scene was good, and then the second scene they gave me a no, and I did my best, but I didn't feel confident. And then like 20 minutes later, I was like. That's what I should have done. Fuck. I was like, can I just do I know. it again? Can it's I like do it the again? it's like the perfect response you come up with to some bitch like 45 minutes later in the shower. Yeah. yeah. And so I I texted my again, sorry, inside but I texted my I'm like, can I just tell him I get it now? Let me do it one more time. <laughs> um, but what's even funnier, so it's a Will Ferrell project. So obviously, like I would love to be a part of anything with a legend like that. But I so I'm talking to my mom. She has no idea who this is. I go, you know who fucking Will Farrell is. And she goes, I just, I don't know. And so I sent her like, you know, just a screenshot of Google images and her response is really happy. Yes, of course I know him. Thank you. So, I love this, was- like, because I've heard you talk to your mom on the phone and it's like a lot of Russian with like little bits of English thrown in. So I just love that it would be like, Will Farrell, mom. Come on. <laughs> you know Will. Um, but, uh, and I know I shouldn't tell my parents about auditions because I'm, I'm, I'm very good at dealing with rejection in the line of work we do and hearing no's and it's disappointment. It's just kind of part of it. Um, so that's why I like to celebrate the little moments of like, I got a call back. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but my parents, they're just so stressed. Oh, they're already like, did you get it? What happened? What's going on? And But I get excited. So or they'll I just have to forget share. and be like, "What? Ha- whatever happened with that Will Ferrell thing? And you're like, that was months ago. I didn't get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents, at least. My parents, at least, will be like, hey, so whatever happened with that? You're like, ugh. Stop. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. But it was fun to be in the room. Um, but you got to riff stuff. And then I I brought up Hitler. They're like, wow, Hitler, really quickly. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Zero to Hitler in 10 seconds. Lisa Traeger. Um, oh, yeah. Well, let Hollywood me, let me, like, just, I know ball. you hate unfinished stories. So I'm just going to say, if you didn't catch this, he was performing in Netflix as a joke festival at the Hollywood Bowl. Huge venue. 
I have no idea how anyone could even breach the stage. It's it's a huge stage, but some guy got up there and he had a fake gun that was like a replica gun, they were saying. And it was the kind of replica gun that a knife would pop out of it if you ejected it. So he definitely was trying to attack him in some way. He also flew. He flew at... He was horizontal. Did you see the video? I haven't seen video. Yeah, which is wild because I know all the bags are yondered. Yeah. In uh, like little pouches and stuff. So I don't know how people did sneak in phones, but, you know, maybe there was someone that was a VIP. I don't know because I, I knew people that went to his party also and they said like even at the party, everyone gets their bags in a bag. Like, oh, even you at cannot, the party? Wow. Even, unless you're friends with like his wife is who I heard got to bring their phones in. Wow. So, um, but there was one video and this person truly like flew horizontal at Dave. And then a part of me, sorry if this is my instincts, I was like, oh, this is a setup. This is like a joke. Like, why, you know, how could someone fly that close? The stage looked high. I'm like, how did this even happen with the security he has? But then I saw the aftermath of this guy getting the shit kicked out of him and Chappelle stomped on him. Like, there's a video of 10 people beating the shit out of this guy. And then there's a video of him in a stretcher being pulled into the ambulance. Because this guy's arms were broken. His hands were broken. And even though he might have deserved getting beaten up, I hate physical fights. I don't like it in movies. I don't like to see it. Feeling like thinking of people in that much pain, it just is hard for me. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't. And yeah, then Chappelle straight like, up was like, I'm not Chris Rock, so I'm going to stomp on you. Yeah. Busta Rhymes jumped in, Jamie Foxx. I mean, this was a who's who of a stomp down. And then Chris Rock came on stage. But then Chappelle, first thing he says is, that was a trans man. And it's just like, you're so annoying. You're so annoying. Why does he have to turn it into Well, it's such, also like, not a, a joke. Like, And it seemed like yeah. he was trying to be funny. So it's like, okay. But like, it is like, why are you addicted? And also, okay. Yeah. Well, it isn't. The yonder bags are a little bit annoying, especially when I went to go see Lauren Hill at the Hollywood Bowl and Chappelle opened for her. I didn't, I got there late because I didn't really care about seeing Chappelle, I'll be honest. Like, he was a late addition. I really was like going to see Lauren Hill. And they made us lock up our, our phones, even though I don't care. I caught one ending joke of Chappelle. Then it's over. Then it takes forever for everyone to get their phones back. So the Lauren Hill concert started so late. It was just annoying. But I guess I get, like, he doesn't want people to tape his shit. I don't know. No, I understand it all. But one time I was performing and someone's phone went off in their younger bag and they couldn't get to it. So then they had to run out as their phone was ringing to, like, <laughs> unlock it. <laughs> wow. But more and more people, like, most of the Netflix is a joke um, shows are yonder bags. Like even Mulaney, Schumer, like I was actually looking because people were tweeting about Mulaney's shows and I was like, fuck, I want to see Mulaney. I need to see this hour, but I missed it. It was last night. Yeah. Um, but the people were tweeting like, um, it was kind of also amazing that I didn't have my phone for three hours and like didn't know what time it was and just got to watch Mulaney. Yeah, I think it's good too because look, when I go to a concert, I love to take like a few little videos of the concert just for my memory. But like, I think our friend Mike Lawrence was just recently at like maybe Dua Lipa, some concert. I forgot that he was at where it, somebody in front of them was just videotaping the entire concert. And it's like, 
that's in, it's obstructing someone else's view. You're not abjo- enjoying it. That's annoying. So I kind of get it. You know, I do think it's it makes sense. But yeah, but that's not what the comics are doing. It they don't want to get their material um, leaked. Sure, but too I'm just speaking to what you said about ready. like enjoying three oh, hours yes, of yes, not yes. watching someone take a tape and not like focusing on it yourself. Being like, I got to show everybody what I'm doing. You know. So, no, 100%. Yeah. But it's so funny. One of my... Fin- well, it's so interesting, too, with, like, um, Roe v. Wade and everything, where I was like, my fitness influencer better fucking post it. And she did. She was like, we are devastated. And I go, yeah. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and there are a couple men with big female followings that are friends of mine that don't like to get, quote, unquote, political. And I just want to reach out to them and be like, dude, just post something. Like, yeah. this, it really is fucked up that you are so... Like, come on. Um, I think you know who I'm thinking of. Yeah. But anyways, but my fitness influencer, she did go on airplane mode for a full day, but then the next day, all she did was post about how she was off of social media the day before <laughs> and how Just great so it was. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so then it was like a whole, like, eight-thing story of, like, why it was important for her to go off the internet. And it's like, okay. I don't know. Yeah, mental health is important. Um, I probably could have read a lot of books if I wasn't on Instagram all the time, but I am uh, answering your messages, everyone that listens to that's messed up. Well, um, I mean, I would love to get to these messages. Kara, Kara she can't have... Um, she can't I can't have, have badge notifications. I can. Like, I definitely will go time without looking, but if it says like, oh, you have 70 messages, like that would give me a heart attack. Like I just need to, and Lisa has like 6,000 unread unread emails on her phone and that's just like heart attack inducing for me. I can't. Well, because I don't go into my mail mail and there's 46,000. Oh, see, I use mail as my mail. I don't use Gmail app. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's because I have multiple accounts and I just like, they're all in mail very easy. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say this is an effect. I'm not being effective. No, I think a lot of, of people use the Gmail app. A lot of people, but um, yeah, it's weird that it has to come down. Um, but yeah, I, but it is funny because after the Chris Rock thing, comics were like, oh, but what about us? And it's like, shut up. No one cares about you. And then to have also now Chappelle get attacked, it is pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, that seems, I'm interested to hear what this guy's like, do you hate Chappelle? Were you trying to get attention? Are you mentally um, suffering? Like, what's going on? You know, like, I don't know. How did he think it was going to end? Yeah. Because he was just like, I mean, his elbow, like, his arm looked like a pretzel as he was getting carried into a stretcher on, into an ambulance. Yeah. Probably don't do that on a day that there are so many huge guys right around <laughs> that are like ready to Poor stomp muscular. your ass. I mean, yeah, Chappelle that's what is I mean. a muscle guy. Buster yeah. oh, Rhymes is, is a muscle guy. I didn't They're muscular guy. Oh yeah, he's beefed up. Like Chappelle is muscly. Huh. Anyway, um, let me really quickly before we dive into today's awesome episode, just review some of our live shows coming up. We are so excited to be touring um, all over Southern California and a couple of other places. On June 5th, we are going to be in San Diego at Mike Drop Comedy. Get your tickets. And then San Francisco, you guys begged for this San Francisco show. We got to sell it out. Come on, let's meet us at Cobbs. We're excited. That's on June 9th. And then we will also be at the Minneapolis Comedy Festival on 619. And we will be at Zany's in Chicago on 620 and 621. 
All those tickets are available right now. You can go to thatsmesseduplive.com to get those ticks. Or, you know, we have links and stuff in our bio on Instagram. But that's all for now. And if you want to just see me do stand-up, I'll be in North Carolina on June 16th and 17th. So check me out. In Raleigh, right? Raleigh? Raleigh? Raleigh. Yeah. Raleigh. Just the late shows. John Lovitz is the early shows. <laughs> um, all right. Let's um let's get going. We've got, I mean, you guys are gonna gag over our guests, but we also have a fun gag. You know, you're gonna like also, I think, us and what we do first, but stay tuned for the guest as well. Okay, everybody. This is Military Justice, season 15, episode eight. Coming to you from the sweet, sweet time period of November of 2013. Okay. We don't always have this kind of opening where we open on some dash cam footage and it's a woman getting out of her car, belligerently wasted and insisting she can walk in a straight line. And it is Cherie Appleby, who I know mostly from the show Unreal. I don't know if you have other Well, Roswell. I think she's oh, Roswell. That's where she I never started. never watched Roswell. I didn't either, but it was like Dawson Creek era. Like I was very, like she well, was in that Catherine crew. Heigl was in it. And I went oh to high school God. with her. So I'm always like, I was never, I never really watched her stuff because I think I was jealous. But she has a really cool storyline in Girls, Sherry Appleby. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's Adam's new girlfriend or Adam Driver's new girlfriend. I did love Unreal. The first season of Unreal is awesome. It did, I, to me, go very much downhill and became like a cartoon. But I, I did really love it at the beginning. Um, but I did watch every single episode because I am a completist. And Robert told us there's an SVU that they kind of mirrored about Unreal. Yes, we are going so, to handle it. We are going yeah. to cover it. Um, so this girl is going on and on about how she's third generation military and she's like listing off all her family's military credentials, but she looks like beat up and she tells them she's an officer in the U.S. Coast Guard and she's like wasted and shouldn't be driving a car. So now Benson and Amaro are at the precinct finding out that her name is Amelia Albers and she was found going the wrong way up a one-way street and that something has happened to her, it seems, but she won't say. So in the harsh light of the holding cell, her injuries look brutal. I mean, like she's brutal. got like blood smeared on her legs. Her uniform is ripped. She has a bloody nose. Like you just didn't get the same look on the dash cam. Like she looks like she has been brutalized. And... um. They tell her they have to take her to the hospital. And she's like, I'm UA. I can't go to a hospital. And Amaro decodes that for us because he's like, I don't know if he's been in the military, has he? But his yeah, wife yeah, yeah. is in the military, yeah. But great trivia for the future. Oh, yeah. And he decodes it for us and tells us it means unauthorized absence. So she can't go to like a hospital because she'll be gone and it will get her in trouble on her sector or whatever. And she says, it's my fault. Don't let anyone in my sector find out. And Benson asks her if she was raped and she doesn't respond. She just kind of like looks at her and the, but the answer is pretty clear. And then we're headed into the credits. So what happened to this woman? At the hospital, uh, the doctor walk and talk is happening. This girl has been like horribly assaulted, like trauma everywhere and a swollen larynx, probably from a chokehold. So they definitely think it's more than one person who did this to her. They had to pump her stomach because they couldn't even give her painkillers because her blood alcohol was too high. Um, and she keeps saying, I have to get back to Sector. And Amaro's like, you have to get arraigned on your DUI, which Olivia kind of gives him a look, like be a little bit more sensitive. But I think it's like, he knows that he's got to hold something over her or she'll probably try to walk or something. And she goes, well, I don't know who my attackers are. 
And um, she's like, I was wasted and I don't, I don't know who did it. And it's very clear she's lying. And she said that her and some of the other guys from Sector were doing a recruiting show and tell at Federal Plaza. And then they went to a bar to blow off some steam. And by the way, she's handcuffed to her bed the entire time because we love to traumatize people. Um, who have already been traumatized. And then she says she was dancing with some guys from the kitchen. They were maybe Mexican. And this is like getting into Karen territory where it's like white women inventing stories about people of color. So I don't love that. And she says, they're like, do you have any family? And she goes, my mom lives in Annapolis, but please tell her not to tell my father. He'll be so disappointed. And Benson's like, you didn't do anything wrong. And she's like, I'm an ensign. I'm supposed to be able to take care of myself. And I just want to point out that at my summer camp, um, we had ranks in the different departments. And in the canoeing departments, the ranks were bosun, ensign A, ensign B, commodore, and admiral. I didn't go enough summers to get my admiral, but I do, I do have an ensign B. So I am also an ensign. I just want you to know. Um, I have canoeing? My, my canoeing rank. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you had such canoeing prowess. Oh, Lisa, let's go to a lake together. I'll show you what I can do in a canoe. You're going to yeah, love it. Yeah, but can I like sit in the back and not do any of the yeah. work? Yeah, okay. you'll be passenger. You'll be passenger. I'll be, with, I'll be with Rosie. Yeah, I'll be stern. You guys can just be passengers. Um. So uh, anyway, at the precinct, the gang, Ice, Amaro, Rollins, and Benson are all looking at the arrest video again, like the dash cam footage. And Finn's like, oh, so she's a military brat. And Amaro's like, no, 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 try military royalty. Her dad is an admiral in the Coast Guard. He works with AIT, Advanced Interdiction Teams. I don't fucking, whatever. These these letters, these acronyms, these yeah. positions, these little flags, fuck you, fuck yeah. all of you, fuck <sighs> the patriarchy, fuck the military. I hate everything. Yeah, so the dad is I'm right sorry, now- sorry, I know your brother's in the military. My brother was, he's, he's now just in the reserve, but yeah, I mean- I think he has his own issues with the military, so I don't even think he would argue with you. But um, right now, on a destroyer in the Gulf of Mexico is where the father is. So then speaking of daddies, Daddy Cragen shows up, and he's like, an admiral's daughter gets gang-raped in our city. One PP needs to know what's up. You know, that's always like Cragen. Besides being a traffic cop, he's like one PP's little bitch boy that's like, we need more answers. So Amaro's like, yeah, the military is not going to want to see us, and Cragen's like, too fucking bad. Like, show up and like, let's investigate. So Rollins and Finn show up at the Coast Guard base and Finn's like, I'm getting PTSD just sitting here. And he reveals that he served two tours as an army ranger. And he goes, you think NYPD's got a lot of paperwork? You know, not the best joke, but I guess there's a lot of paperwork in the army rangers. And so they're talking to a guy who's like, this is awful. I tried to get her car keys from her, but she slapped me. He explains that they were at the Seahorse Bar and Grill uh, the night before, and then they cut to another guy, and he goes, yeah, she was wild. This guy looks really douchey, this guy. And he's like, she was wild, dancing on tables. I, we tried to get her to go home, and she told me to go F myself. So when we left, she was twerking it with two Mexican cooks. And so Amaro's like, what happened to no man left behind? And he's like, she's not a man. If a woman tells you to go away, you go away. Okay. Yeah, very convenient feminism. Yeah, yeah. So a third guy that they're talking to is like, yeah, it was 1 a.m. when we got home and we weren't really with her the whole time. And the guy's like, she's in big trouble for missing curfew. And Amanda's like, hi, this woman was raped. Like, your summer camp rules don't really apply here. Like, they're just not important. Like, the amount of times they talk about her breaking her curfew in this episode make me want to kill someone. Like, it's curfew. Who cares? Like, so we notice that this guy's hands are shaking pretty hard while he's talking. So what's his story? We will revisit. 
And now we're talking to the lieutenant commander, whose name is Taverts, and he is played by bum, 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 Terry Serpico, who is currently Chief Tommy on the new seasons, the current seasons that are running. This is actually his fourth episode of SVU. So Chief McGrath is his fifth role on the show. He's been in three other episodes. People have sent us screenshots of him, so I know we've seen like him and we other gotta stuff. We got to get him on. We got to yeah, get him on. Yeah, this guy's been on so many apps. Um, and he says, oh, I'm sick about this whole thing, but Albers is a train wreck. You know, it's a lot of pressure being a woman on a ship. And I've been cutting her brakes as a courtesy to her father because he's a legend. And this is really going to affect her standing here. Like, he seems like he's not that sick about the whole thing after all. So then Benson goes, with all due respect, what does her gang rape have to do with her standing? And he goes, she was publicly intoxicated. She was arrested for DUI. And she's supposed to be with a buddy at all times. It all shows poor judgment. Like, I don't know, acting like it's completely apples to apples with the, a gang rape and just being drunk publicly is wild to me. But uh, Olivia is livid. And Amaro's like, yeah, they don't want women here. So this rape thing is going to end her career. Like, And Cragen's like, go check out the cook she was dirty dancing with. So, Which sounds like a fun night. Dirty yeah. dancing with the cooks? Love that. Hell yeah. Happy to do it. Happy um, to. <laughs> They're going to cook me food and dance with me. I'm in. I'm marrying these I always, guys. I mean, I only worked at one restaurant, but like I re I remember the kitchen stuff very fondly and my favorite I'm blessed people. to have worked with them. Yeah, really they were all the nicest guys okay. ever. I loved them, the kitchen guys. I mean, I worked at like a bar restaurant, you know, not anything, not like I didn't work with like Mario Batali. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we had we had a bucket of coleslaw. <laughs> this wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so now we're checking out the alley behind the bar when Amaro gets a call from DC and we're actually seeing both sides of the call and it's his estranged wife, Maria, played by Broadway legend, Laura Benanti. And she's like, hi, what's up? Can you take Zara this weekend? I'll bring her to you. And Amaro agrees and we see that she's at an outdoor cafe meeting a dude and we don't see who it is, but she's clearly moved on from Amaro Town and is seeking out other ventures. And now... He tells, uh, Finn and Rollins are like, everything okay? And he tells them, word of advice, don't get divorced. And it's like, asshole, Finn is divorced and Amanda's not even married. So shut up. Um, so now we're talking to this bartender. She was like, yeah, I remember her. I remember cutting her off. She was downing shots as quickly as guys could buy them for her. We don't have any receipts because we're cash only and no security cameras. So basically she's a cop's dream, this bartender. <laughs> and they're like, tell us about the cooks. And she's like, oh, Jesus and Ozzy, they're awesome. And then they come out of the kitchen and Amaro goes, asks in Spanish, hey, can I talk to you guys? And one of them just takes off running. And Rollins um, gets out front and just shoves the guy into a pole as he runs by. And that's how they stop him. It was a kind of a fun action sequence. And then they cuff him. And I'm like, I wonder how you can legally arrest someone who runs. Because like, you don't have to talk to the police, do you? Like, there's resisting arrest, but you don't need to talk to the police. If the police say, hi, Lisa, can I speak to you? You can go, no, and walk away, right? I don't know. They could maybe not be citizens and have other fears or other stuff happening. Right. That's what I'm saying. Of course, that's probably one of the reasons why he may have been running. But is it legal to just arrest someone who runs away when you try to talk to them? Like, they put cuffs on him and they're, like, arresting him. Or they're stopped. I mean, maybe they're not arresting him after they find out his story. Anyway, I'm just wondering about it. I don't it. know. I don't Could know. Can somebody with the law help us? Tell me Tell me in my DMs. Because I do feel like you shouldn't run away. <laughs> of course you shouldn't, but it but is, I don't like, think a free you country. And you're not under arrest if you're, just, if you're just a witness. Like, let's say you're, like, a witness to a crime. 
You can just be like, I gotta go. You could run. They can't really arrest you. I don't know. Maybe they can. Somebody tell me. Well, because maybe they can lie and say it is resisting or like, um, yeah, endangering. But like then you have to lie. show why you were ar- getting arrested. Where's the arrest warrant? Like, what are you getting arrested for? Yeah. You know? So the other cook is talking to Finn and he's like, we did not rape her. She came back here putting her chichis in our face. And I do, did grow up with a mall, a restaurant in my mall called Chi-Chi's that I thought was very, very fancy. I think it is a chain. It was a chain. Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of Chi-Chi's. Okay. I, I thought it the was, commercials. I thought it was so fancy. And then when I got older, I was like, this is a Mexican chain restaurant in a mall. I just thought it was like the height of luxury when I was like seven or eight. Well, that's what being a child um, is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just don't know. You just don't know the wonder of imagination. A Burger King can be, you know, a delightful luxury. So um, he thought, oh, I just thought she was trying to get her guy friends hot, you know? And he's like, yeah, the dude's... That we're, and then we're kind of going in between the runner cook and the guy, the cook who stayed. We're getting both of their info. And it's basically these dudes were Navy guys with buzz cuts she was with. And the runner cook is like, look, the kitchen closes early. We took off and she was still with those guys when we left. We did not do this. So hopefully Jesus and Ozzy get to go enjoy the rest of their lives. At the hospital, they're showing pictures to Amelia and she points out two guys, but she's like, it might not have been them. Like, let's, let's just let this go. I don't remember. And... She's like, they, the way they pinned me down, I couldn't see their faces. And Olivia's like, but you do remember that they pinned you down, so you remember some stuff. Um, she does say, I don't want to falsely accuse anyone. So I guess we'll give her back, we'll take back her Karen card and say that she does try to like not have these guys go down for something. And then when Olivia says that to her, is like, you do remember that they pinned you down, so I do think you remember some stuff. She sort of starts to tear up and like get emotional and she does start to like remember and confess some stuff to Olivia. So she was like... We were just dancing really closely and then Lippet started kissing me and Wooten put his hand up my skirt. And um, she says, I can't say what happened. And she's crying and she's upset that she's going to get dishonorably discharged and let her family down and her dad. And she should have just taken it. She should have just let them do what they wanted to do and shut up about it. So it's like sad that this is how she feels. So now at the top of Act 2, the the download of information is Amelia was raped by Lippet, Wooten, and Graver. They got her drunk, brought her under the FDR, raped her, and left her lying there. That is horrific as a former New Yorker. Under the FDR is nowhere you want to be at any time. Um, my husband, when I met him, lived in an apartment that was almost under the FDR. You don't want to be there. So Daddy Cragen is like, well, she had that cook story. Do we buy this new story? And Amaro's like, the Coast Guard has a habit of giving people personality disorder discharges, and so she was afraid to disclose. And Cragen's like, all right, well, let's take another run at these suspects before they know that they're suspects. So now we're at the Coast Guard, and Commander Taverts, our Serpico buddy, uh, says, uh, sorry you came down here. The guys you're looking for just left for a six-week training session off the coast of Somalia. What a coincidence, right? This is like moving popes around. I mean, not popes priests. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Pope gets to stay in one place. Um, Cragen is pissed. He's like, I asked you to hold these guys. And the commander's like, oopsie, didn't get the message. This all feels very not real, not not truthful. And then we've got a walk and talk with Barba, Benson, and Amaro. And they're like, Amelia's still in the hospital bleeding with a kidney infection. Like, this is a horrible, like, this assault she did not, like, walk away easily from. The Coast Guard um, won't give up the DNA of these guys, claiming that it's national security. And Barba's like, oh yeah, we'll get them back here. I've done this before. It's like very, very peak Barba smugness slash confidence. He's like, 
oh yeah, the military thinks they're going to stop me from getting DNA. Ha ha ha. Um, and then he like probably goes to like swirl some Barolo in his office. But anyway, he says it's going to be a fight. And now Amaro is talking to Wooten. And Wooten is the one that I said seemed like the douchiest one. And he's like, she gets drunk. So now clearly they've been brought back. They've been brought back from Somalia. Like one of the guys yawns and Amaro's like, yeah, sorry, I know it was a long trip. But I'm like, yeah, a long trip from Somalia. So now the douchiest one is like, so she gets drunk and misses curfew and now she's putting it on us. Again, everyone acting like curfew missing is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Well, these are dorks. These are rule-loving dorks. Who else joins the military? Violent yeah. dorks. <laughs> yeah, they want they want to rape, but they got to get home on time. Yeah. We made sure we hit curfew after we brutally assaulted one of our fellow soldiers. Um, so Finn is talking to Lippet, and he is the black officer who has a wife. And he's sitting there like, okay, well, all I'm guilty of is cheating on my wife. We had sex, but it was consensual, and I wore a condom because I'm married. Wow, what a stand-up guy. Um, so Wooten is like, I'm done talking. And then Amaro's like, okay, one more quick thing. If I could just get your spit on a swab and hands him the DNA order. And he's like, hold on. I'm not saying that nothing happened. It just wasn't rape. Like, you know, we had sex. She would not take no for an answer. Like, I love this whole, uh, like, thing that when girls get blacked out to the point that they can't even stand, that they're so horny that they need to be assaulted. Yeah, but it's still, like, it's still your responsibility to say no. Like, this doesn't help. If you're like, she just wouldn't, it's like, but you could still say no. You know what I mean? Like, just because she's throwing yourself yes. at you, yes. you could still be like, no, you're blacked out. You're not like, fine, right. I guess I'll well, have that's to what most. I think that's what a lot of men need to learn, that just because a girl's throwing herself on you, if she seems like she's basically incapacitated, you need to not, you know. Um, but Graver is the third guy, the one whose hand was shaking, and he asks for a lawyer. He's like, I did not rape her. I did not have sex with her. I held her hands behind her. She wanted that. <laughs> She wanted that. She was like, yes, I love this gangbang. Please hold my hands behind me. I mean, I don't want to kink shame anyone. People could totally, it's just like, this is not believable in the context of this, of this uh, incident. So now they have two DNA samples. Lippet wore a condom. Wooten is probably one of them. And they're like, okay, well then Graver has to be the second one. Um, but it's still a she said, they said. So Amelia then walks into Barbara's office in uniform with her mother. And the mother looks like very Annapolis wife of an admiral, like very prim and proper, like, hello, I was hoping we could keep this out of the papers. You know, like she seems cold. And um, she's like, this is going to be so hard on her father. And it's like, okay, do you care about your daughter? Because he's an old ass man. And I don't really think that this rape affects him as closely as your daughter, the victim. And so the admiral, she says, is on his way, but he doesn't know the details. And then Amaro takes the hint and he's like, hey, mom, why don't we go get some coffee? Amaro does has said before, parents love me. So he takes them out for a little, her for a little coffee. And Amelia's like, thank you so much. And she's like, what are these guys saying? And they're like, they are saying that it was consensual and they prep her that their attorney is a bulldog and he is going to come for you about being drunk and not disclosing immediately. And she explains how hard it is for women on the base, like the hazing, the harassment. You cannot show that you're weak in any way. And um, suddenly, while she's having this heartfelt moment with them explaining how hard her life is as a woman in the, in the Coast Guard, Coast Guard cops walk in and say that Amelia is under arrest for fraternization, disorderly conduct, and adultery. And Benson's like, adultery? She's not married. And Barbara's like, uh, okay, this is actually legit. 
They cuff her. They take her off. Barbara and Benson are both like, do not talk to anyone until we get you a lawyer or until you get yourself a lawyer. Like, just zip your lips. And so now they're like, we're in the next scene. They're like, how are they charging her with adultery? And it's because Lippet is married. And they're like, well, is he getting charged then? And the answer is no, because he is her junior. She is a senior officer to him. So she somehow violated the sanctity of his marriage because she is a, a, a senior officer. Barba explains it's probably also strategic as well just to undercut the prosecution and that she's going to have an Article 32 hearing, which I had never heard of before. And it's basically the, the military version of a grand jury, but with no boundaries. And it could lead to a court-martial. And Barba's like, so who's behind this? Taverts? And uh, they're like, let's go ask him. So then... Taverts is explaining to Benson and Cragen, yeah, Article 32 hearing is protocol. He's like, I feel really horrible, but uh, these guys are not under investigation with us because they made curfew. If they so say here curfew we are again. one more time. Here if we are again curfew, with this again. fucking curfew being so important. These guys are not being investigated at all for their behavior, even though they were drunk out with her, but they made curfew. So Cra Olivia's obviously feeling, That's doing all the fucked. feeling it's for like, us. I know that there are uh, people out there that, like that are not cis men that want to be in the military, but it's like why? Yeah, why do this? Like, I mean, this I, in this girl's case, it seems like it's a, a his a historical family job that like generations of her family have been in the military, and it was probably like they she don't maybe, want you. They don't want you. Yeah, in but there. maybe she wasn't even given a choice. Maybe she was like, I'll pave the way for other young girls who want to do this. I don't know. I, I it's never crossed my mind. Um, but, you know, a lot of people join the military because you get a free education, you know? Like, it can change your life to join the military and get, you can get college paid for. Yeah, it'll like, change your life with fucking trauma and getting raped and then being jailed because you can. were late. It's just fucked up. No, I know. It's not a good environment for women, but yeah, I do. just recently, remember, just like within the past couple of years, there, there have been dead female soldiers found yeah. next to bases with no investigations. It's yeah. like, just fuck the military. Fuck it. I'm just like... They definitely need to like come out from their cloak of secrecy the way... Like, I mean... No, because it's part of it is they want to assault... These are not... I don't... I think they want to rape women. Why else are you jumping through hoops to protect these guys? Well, you, you would just investigate. You're yeah. jumping through hoops to punish the woman and not the men. It's like... It's so clear. Yeah. But I guess women wouldn't be able to go anywhere to Wall Street or Hollywood or anywhere or do comedy if it was like... Why would you want to do it? They don't yeah, want you Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why would you want to go where you're not accepted? You mean anywhere? Um, I guess. Besides, like, I don't know. Um, Besides so, the American Girl Store. Yeah, you can work at the American Girl <laughs> Store without any fear of, uh, you know, attack. Actually, you probably can. Sure, there's an American Girl employee who's going to write me and be like, actually, our customers are rabid animals. Anyway, um, Olivia is as pissed as we are at talking to Taverts about this. Craig has to rein her in. And then Taverts is like, oh, you know, I can call DC and see if they'd have a change of heart. Like, you know, acting like he's cooperating. And Rollins is talking to Amaro. And Amaro's like, yeah, he's acting like he's cooperating. He's not going to do anything. And Rollins is like, doesn't your ex Maria still work for the Pentagon? And he goes, yeah, but she does PR for the Department of Defense. Coast Guard is Homeland Security. It's like a totally different branch. And she's like, yeah, but DC is a small town. Everyone knows everyone. Like, and did she tell you why she was giving you Zara this weekend? And he's like, no. And she goes, good. If she's got a secret, it gives her more reason to do you a favor. And Amaro goes, is that how women really think? And he go, and she goes, not just women, just conniving people. Like, just, <laughs> I'm just thinking like a cop. And then she's like, just ask her. 
Then Finn gets... Um, we don't actually see Warner, but Finn comes in with a DNA match from Warner that says one of the DNA samples matches Wooten and it doesn't match either of the two guys. So Lippet wore a condom and Graver, as he said, did not have um, any kind of, you know, didn't assault her sexually. Yeah, just, just held her. Um, yeah, <laughs> just, just held, held her down. <laughs> Was part of the assault, but did not like physically, you know, uh, do it, do the raping part. And so there must have been a fourth man there because there's this other sample. And Amelia did not mention a fourth rapist. And Finn's asking Lippet, and he's like, no, there was there was there a fourth man? He's like, no, maybe she went and had sex with someone else that day, like, because she's such a horny slut. And then Wooten says, why is ever this is why everyone's calling her a whore. She probably went and banged one of those Mexicans after. So this guy is rude and probably racist and uh, definitely my least favorite of these guys. And then Amaro goes, I want you to think about this a year from now when you're getting turned out by your cellmates in Attica. And I don't really enjoy jokes about guys getting raped in prison, but I do I hate like this it. guy. Yeah, I do hate this guy. So Zara shows up with Maria. Daddy, yay, we get to see Zara and her daddy have a hug. And Amaro brings up the Coast Guard rape to Maria. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've heard about it. Like, so you want me to find out why they're charging her? And she's like, I'll make some calls. It's not right. So you get the feeling that, like, you know, Maria's a good person who wants justice. But, of course, they have zero chemistry. And what is their relationship? So anyway... Liv is visiting Amelia in her Coast Guard jail cell, and she's describing how humiliating the Article 32 hearing was. Like, she goes, they asked me how wide I open my mouth when I give oral sex in front of 20 other officers. Like, I just can't, like, believe that that's... It's just this completely lawless form of court. You know how, like, with our previous administration and just, like, all the laws and everything that's happening right now, it's like, cruel. the cruelty is the point. People like yeah. to say that's yeah. what this is. It's like yeah. humiliating women is the point of what this is. Right. Cause it's like, even if this woman gets justice, she's now gonna walk around and work with these people that she's had to do, it's like disclose all this stuff to and have like this humiliating experience. Like, no, they're trying to make sure she never comes back. Um, and I will say, when I went to Kuwait to perform for troops to do stand-up for troops in, like, 2014. They did take me to the jail that they have on the base where they send guys that go to jail that, like, for doing bad stuff when they're there. And I saw, like, the cells. They showed us, like, no one was in it at the time, but they, you know, probably because they barely ever prosecute anyone. But they were showing us, like, the whole thing. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I never thought about how you guys have to have, like, your own jail system because you live in a foreign country, like, in the desert, you know? Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. From my life. Um, Amelia, um, they tell her, hey, girl, the lab found another DNA sample. So what's up? Like, who's this fourth guy? And she's maybe about to spill it when her dad walks into the cell. And to me, this is Gus from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He will always be Gus from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. To me, this man has over 100 credits. He's been in Bosch, Homeland, Better Call Saul, but he's always Gus to me. Do you know him from that movie? No, I can't even think of this guy. I'll be like, honest. Like, the boss, you know the boss uh, is um, the actress who's like, oh, you're going to be fine, Suelle. And with your qualifications, she goes on a romantic weekend with her boyfriend, Gus, to Santa Barbara. But then when they come back, he hits on uh, he hits on Christina Applegate's character. So he's like a sleazeball. But I always remember him from this movie. So shout out to Gus. He is the admiral. He is the father of Amelia, and they have this very awkward dad-daughter military moment where, like, 
the dad comes in and he's like, are you okay? And I don't even know if he hugs her. It's like very weird. And then he's like, you need to ID this fourth guy. Like, you got to tell them. And she says, I can't. And he's like, well, you can tell me. Like, whoever this person is, he's disgraced the uniform and he's hurt you. And that, I think, is what gets her to turn. Like, just her dad having like a sympathetic, like, you know, empathetic ear, like just saying like, this isn't your fault. And it's her CO, Commander Taverts, aka Tommy, aka Serpico. So it is the guy who's been stonewalling left and right in this investigation. Obviously, that's why he's covering for these guys because he's fucking part of it. So she says, he's been trying to sleep with me since I got here. She said that he said he needed his help if if she wanted to get ahead. And he also said, no one says no to a CO, especially a woman. And CO is commanding officer. And uh, she keeps apologizing to her dad. And I think maybe he should apologize for encouraging her to follow in his toxic military footsteps. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, next, we're in court. And I think we are, but we're not. It's actually Barba prepping Amelia for trial. And Barba's being really encouraging and sweet. And he's just like, I know I'm being really hard on you, but they're going to go so hard at you. So you got to be prepped. So now we're really in court and Amelia is explaining why she didn't say no. And it's because you are trained in the military to not say no or resist during a rape. And she reads out of like a book that like a manual for the military that says it is advisable to like not resist or, you know, try to fight back in the event of a sexual assault. So we see that the four dudes are being represented by our favorite asshole of all time, Buchanan, last week's guest. And um, this is the man who lost his podcast virginity on this very pod. So we love to see him, but we hate to see him. You know what I mean? Um, He is turning it around on her very expertly, as he is known to do, and is like, well, you're saying that it was against protocol for you to say no, but isn't it against protocol for you to get wasted and get a DUI? Is that military protocol? I don't really see how these compare to each other because one is like her response to a crime happening against her. Um, and one is a nut, like a crime that I guess they say she's committing. But anyway, he asks her, uh, but didn't you make out with all these guys? And she's like, only two of them. And she did not want to get raped. She insists. And he asks her, well, you had no problem breaking military protocol that night. Is it possible that you didn't say no to the rape because you were enjoying yourself? And Aida Tortoro from The Sopranos is the judge, and she is actually fine with Buchanan telling Amelia how much she loved her gang rape. And it's frustrating, but she does not sustain any objections. And Amelia is really trying to keep it together, but it is not going well. And so at the bar afterwards, Barba is like, wow, that did not go well. And he's telling Benson and Rollins like that was pretty bad. And all it takes is one juror to believe that this girl likes rough sex and we're done. And Barba's like, um, yeah, the defense is never going to put these guys on the stand. We're basically fucked. And then in walks Amaro, slaps a file down on the bar and goes, I think I might have something. And he starts talking about Tavert's testimony in a military hearing. And then Barbara's like, I just called him Barbara. And then Barbara goes, shut, 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 shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. And he goes, you almost just tripped over the Garrity rule, which I looked up. I don't think they made this very clear in the episode because the first time I watched this episode, I was like, what's going on with this file? And then when I watched it again and like looked up some stuff, I got more of a clear picture. I don't know if you felt that way, Lisa. Um, uh, so essentially- I actually knew about the Garrity rule way before this episode. You did? Of course not, Karen. Oh, wow. You said that really <laughs> convincingly. Wow. Wow. Have you committed a murder because your acting was great there? Um, and so the Garrity rule essentially protects public employees. It says they have the right to stay silent 
of any statements they make to their employer because any statement they make to their their employer could be used against them in a subsequent criminal proceeding. So essentially, anything they say in any of their, these military trials is considered coerced because you're being questioned by your employer because the government is your employer. So that's what it is. And this is it. This rule really only applies to government employees. And he says everything in this file is dirty. And an officer can't invoke in a military hearing. Everything is considered to be compelled and coerced. So this cannot be used in a criminal case. So if Barba even looks at this file, he has to recuse himself. And Rollins is like, oh, my bad. This was my idea. Um, And Amaro's like, yeah, but Maria said, like, the floodgates opened up on Taverts. And Barba's like, yeah, yeah, I bet. But they're setting you up, honey. Like, you need to, like, burn this file. And Amaro... um, they're like, did you read the file? And Amaro's like, yeah. So Barba's like, okay, you're off the case. And then he goes, me entiendes. I love it when they speak Spanish together, um, which means, do you understand me? And then Rollins is like, I'm really sorry. And, you know, Amaro's like, it's not a big deal. Like, we're basically already at the trial. So my part here is done. But I would have liked to have looked at Graver one more time. Hint, done, done, right? Like, that's a full hint he's giving them because he's read the file. So mm, I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, if I guess if I could still be on the case, here's what I would have done. Very OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did. And so Rollins and Benson go talk to Graver and talk to him about how traumatic this is going to be for Amelia, like forever. Like this is going to affect her her whole life. And especially if we don't get these guys, can you imagine what that's like? And they're baiting him. And he's like, I'm not going to talk about what happened to me in open court. And then they sort of, coax the story out of him. And he's like, listen, I'm gay. And usually people can't tell. And he's like, one time I got drunk and three guys from my base started calling me a bunch of, you know, anti-gay slurs. And they followed him out, pushed him in an alley. And when he woke up, he was in the hospital with internal injuries. So he knows exactly what this is like for Amelia because this has happened to him. So he just said that after consulting with his CO, he realized that if he wanted to stay in the Coast Guard, he needed to man up. And guess who that CO was, guys? Taverts. So this man is the evil heart of this whole operation. Now, top of act four, we've got a, something good is finally happening, which is that Graver is on the stand and he's spilling all the tea. He says, we were walking Amelia to her car and Taverts was there. And they're like, was that a coincidence? And he's like, no, this was all set up from Taverts from the jump. We were going to teach Ensign Albers a lesson about respect for her CO. So they held her down while Taverts raped her. And then he said, who wants sloppy seconds? And Lippitt forced himself in her mouth and Wooten took her from behind. She was crying. I mean, it's like so graphic, even the way they describe it. They called her a whore and a slut. And then they turned her over and took turns again. And he said his job was just pinning her arms behind her and basically, you know, letting it happen. He confesses to the jury that he's gay. And he said, Taverts knew that. And he would out me to everyone if I didn't go along. Officially, being gay in the military is okay, but he felt like he couldn't survive being outed. And then he apologizes to Amelia. So, feels like tough stuff. Outside of court, Barba is debriefing the dad, Admiral Albers. And Tavert's like, the ball's on this man. He walks right up to the Admiral and is like, hello, sir. And the Admiral is like, you're talking to me? Like, I actually love that. I love that if like somebody you hate was to come up to you, you'd just go, you're talking to me? Like, that's fun. All right, um, I'll put that in my brain. Yeah, I'll, put that I in like there. I like that. 
you're talking to me? Like, I am shocked that you're opening your mouth and directing words at me right now. And um, he just can't believe his daughter's rapist is trying to talk to him. And Tavert's like, won't let it go and keeps following uh, uh, the Admiral down the hall and going, your daughter never had what it takes. She would always name drop you and say, do you know who my dad is? So the Admiral like turns around and just cold cocks Tavert's right in the jaw. And it's fun to see. You love to see it. And so in court, they're reading out the verdict and done, done. All three guys are found guilty. Amelia has like a brief look of happiness on her face. And afterwards, the Albers family is thanking Barba. And Olivia gives her the it gets better speech about being assaulted. And we hear that the Coast Guard has dropped all charges against her in exchange for her leaving the Coast Guard under honorable conditions. And she's like, yeah, it's okay. I could never go back there. Like, I'm good to be gone from the Coast Guard. Um, and... Her dad says he's proud of her for coming forward. He's like, you have more guts than any of them. And so maybe her dad is one of the good guys in the military, but, you know, we'll see. He has the power to make changes. The top guys are the ones that make, can you know, admirals. What are the big guys in the army? Captains? I don't know. Like, but, you know, they gotta be making these changes. And now we see Amaro is packing off Zara and having another classic loveless moment with his ex-wife. <laughs> and uh, Amaro is like, I gotta ask you. And she's like, oh, is it about my romantic weekend? Because it was a mistake. And she's like, no, bitch, I do not care about your love life right now. And he's like, it's about the file. And Maria goes, yeah, all those rapes. I couldn't believe it. So like, we're finding out that Taverts is a career rapist that they're just allowing to be a commanding officer in the Coast Guard. Like, I guess at the very least, you could just fire him and not make him serve any jail time or get any justice. But the fact that they keep him in that, I mean, this is like we're talking about priests, you know? So anyway, uh, she, she was like, I couldn't believe it. And Amaro is like, yeah, but girl, that shit was tainted. Like, we couldn't use any of it. They were setting you up. They were setting us up. And she's like, I swear I didn't know. And he goes, I know you didn't, but I wouldn't trust whoever gave you that file. You're a single woman in the military, so please be careful. And then, you know, they actually hug. And that feels like a nice little friend moment. And Zara loves to see it. And then um, that's the the dick and the wolf, baby. It just sucks because with Zara, I only think of the clothing store. But also, do we know who gave her the file? That's the thing. It's like, I guess you want to, you, they want you to believe that somebody that Taverts was working with what like heard she mm. was sniffing around and said, oh, give her this file. If she gives it to them, it'll all be thrown out. I guess. Yeah. You know? I can't imagine it was somebody who was trying to just sabotage Maria's career for no reason. Yeah. And I also think in terms of, like, how do they keep doing it? It's because I think a lot of them are guilty. So if you call out Tavert, suddenly you have to kind of acknowledge that you've also raped and you've also yeah. assaulted and you also sat blindly as things happened. And no one wants to do that. Yeah. That's why the government just <laughs> makes crazy laws. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't care is because they're all guilty. And it's like, I know military families give up a lot. I know that like people in the military a lot a lo like are fighting for our safety and stuff, but it's like you have to also be a good human being. I'm sorry. You're just not allowed to commit crimes willy-nilly and hide them behind your service to our country. But life's not as simple as like good and bad. And, you know, obviously there's nuance and we know people in the military. And well, I guess friends, I mean not siblings. an assaulter. You can be a bad person, yeah. but not an yeah. assaulter. But not even about good or bad. I think it's you have to like follow orders and not care and be fine giving up your autonomy. So there's something different about you if you are obviously people in positions without money and like needing to escape. And so like they join the military for college or whatnot. But like 
if you're gung-ho about it, there's something weird about it or different than me where it's like you want to be told what to do. You want to do push-ups. You want bunk beds. You want to be, I don't know, punched in the nose so you know what it feels like so then you're never scared of it. Like that's what these people want. Yeah. And that's like a different type of person. Like you're down to be like all your life's about stripes and, you know, oh my, I keep wanting to say coronal, but what is it? Colonel. Colonel. I'm like, what is that book? But it's like, my colonel said this, I must oblige. Like, that's not, that's not for everybody. Well, the other thing too is that not only are you giving up your autonomy at the beginning, but you're striving to be the person that gets to tell the other people what to do, right? Like your upward mobility is like, like my brother was in the military. He went to West Point, but he immediately was an officer. So he immediately got to boss people around. But when he was in training, he was like the little grub. So I probably it was probably every day like, can't wait to be in charge. Can't wait to be in charge and like tell everybody else what to do. You know what I mean? Like, it is sure just like a good different leaders and really smart tactical people and doing all this. But like, you can't really escape the facts of. That episode, what we're about to talk about, and just the reality of what happens. You know, it's like yeah. you want to be respectful, and a lot of people are sacrificing a lot and have pure hearts in it. But it's like, sorry, you can't ignore that this is like all fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know, and war in general, military in general. It's like what is happening in general is just like male fucking psychotic way of life. Yeah. This is not okay. This is not okay that young people have to fucking kill each other for psychos for fucking oil and land. It's like, it's atrocious. And that's why it's hard. And I know, you know, we met some, we met a military wife in fucking Seattle. We had a great time. And it's like, I know there's nuance to all of it, but it is so angering. Yeah. And I do want to mention the name of the woman that we talked about before who uh, was murdered in 2020 um, around the Fort Hood base in Texas. Her name is Vanessa... Um, Guillen, I think is how you would pronounce it. And I apologize if I'm saying it the wrong way. But um, definitely um, look up this story because it's like heartbreaking and I feel like we need to give her story a voice. I'm sure her family doesn't have answers. Yeah, like I didn't, th- I, I'm, I will not be covering it because we're, there's more military episodes and. Oh no, and this is, it wasn't that. based on this because it's too recent, but we did yeah. mention it before. So I just wanted to say if anyone wanted to like look up or know who we're talking about, it's Vanessa, G-U-I-L-L-E-N. And then we'll be right back. And Lisa, I don't know anything about this case. So definitely need you to walk me through. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. So this, and you know what? I was complaining to Kara, actually. I was like, there's no resources. I can't find this. A bunch of these articles are just saying what a liar she is, blah, blah, blah. And Kara was like, 
gets the military. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> we've, we've covered other military things. There's not much info out there. Um, they really keep things under wraps. Yeah, I don't so, think they let People Magazine get an exclusive. You know, they're just like not letting the times in. And so this is a big um, Rolling Stone article that came out in February 14th, 2013. And that's where all the info is. And, uh, you know, I found um, the woman on Twitter and, you know, I'll have some updates. But... Mostly Rolling Stones, baby. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with just like some quotes. <laughs> but a former Marine captain, Anu Bhagwati, who's now an author and activist, and check it out. But um, she was the executive director of the advocacy group Service Women's Action Network. And she said that sexual assaults make up the fabric of daily American military life. Um, she says that research suggests that one out of every three women in the U.S. military is the victim of sexual assault, which makes women in the military twice as likely to be raped as civilians. And it's probably like the number's probably higher, honestly. Yeah. And it's like civilians are constantly at the threat of rape. So I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what it's like. Um, the DOD did an anonymous survey and found that in 2010, 19,000 service members were assaulted, and only 13.5% of those were reported to authorities at all. Now, this story um, and case is about Rebecca Bloomer. And like I said, it came out in Rolling Stone February 2013. And, you know, it's just very annoying. Like the military with every scandal, they claim like we're zero tolerance, we're zero tolerance, but they actually resist in any sort of meaningful reform in any fucking way. Um, and so like in February 13, 2019, she tweeted nine years, never thought I'd make it nine years. Like truly in her head at all times, like counting down yeah. the moments from all of this, because not only did this attack happen, but just like dealing with the military and all of the ways that you will hear about very close to the episode, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. So she was a petty officer, second class, whatever that means. Her grandfather was stationed in the same base as her. Her stepdad was a veteran and assured her, like, they'll take care of you. This is the place to fucking be. And she said she loved the rigor and the traditions of the military. And she liked being a part of something. And she was a model sailor, an IT whiz, and she moved up the ranks very fast. And she was, like, a very valued person. Um, She was a normal, cheerful 23-year-old Navy intelligence analyst um, stationed, like I said, Fort Gordon, which was an army base of 15,000 military employees in Augusta, Georgia. And her job was to sift through top secret data. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Four years in, and she decided that this was going to be her lifelong career. And she immediately reenlisted for six years. Like she was imme- like reenlisting constantly. Like she really committed to the military being her lifelong career. Um, but the military does not view women favorably at all. And Bhagwati in the Rolling Stone article said that in the military, women are classified into three categories, bitch, hoe, or dyke. And maybe things have changed since 2013, but... Wow. Right. Send us a note. Um, The night before this all went down on February 12th, 2010, she and some friends went to a bar for some beers not far from the base. Three army guys sent her a shot of Jaeger, which is not something she really likes or drinks, but she downed it. And she remembers she, like, felt dizzy and sluggish and her limbs and, like, head became very heavy to lift. And, like, all the noises, she said, in the bar caved in on her. And only later did she, like, would be able to figure out the rest. Like, she 
didn't know exactly what happened, but she woke up the next day and the first thing she says is she realized waking up and like she was freezing cold and naked and her body hurt all over and she realized she was in the Richmond County Jail. Uh, She asked to see a doctor and another inmate goes, yeah, you've been screaming that all night long. So shut the They left her in a jail cell naked? Yeah. Later, she found out that police noticed her driving with her headlights off at 1.40 a.m., and she was barely able to stand upright. Um, but once they put her under arrest, she went fucking berserk, they said, trying to break free. And even in jail, she was wild, demanding to see a doctor. But instead of letting her see a doctor, they hosed her down to make her calm down. So you have this woman who's, like, begging and pleading to see a doctor, and instead they fucking put a hose on her. Like, it's... <laughs> Um, So she was wet, and then finally, like, sitting there, it hit her, like, oh, I was fucking roofied. Like, I was roofied and raped. That's that's exactly what fucking happened to me with that Jaeger. So finally, she was released, and she went back to the base feeling like, oh, it's my home. It's my safe space. They're going to take care of me. Um, But instead of taking her to the hospital, they took her to the Army court to discipline her for a DUI. Um, They did say she can go to the hospital, but only with orders for a toxicology report and a rape kit was up to her and they didn't really care. Um, She was super confused, like that they were being dicks and even more confused when they asked if she inflicted these injuries onto herself. And the military courts like HR, they're not there to find justice. They're not a neutral party. (laughs) They are not to be trusted. Like they are, HR is like there for the business and this military court is to like protect the sanctity of the military. They're not there to help you out. Do not trust them. There is no due process in a military court. And that was mentioned in the episode. Like, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Um, And so that was like her first kind of glance at military culture when it came to rape. Um, But yeah, so she said that's when she realized her whole future disappeared uh, because they were super suspicious of her and wanted this swept under the rug. And one time an army nurse said, um, this is separate, but like one time this army nurse said how she is more afraid of her own soldiers than the enemy. And a former Marine called the military a big rape cult. And that is what I will be calling the military from now on. So from now on, just know that anytime I meet someone from the military, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, what a weird rape cult to join. Like that's from now on, never again will I respect anybody. Okay. Also, um, like, you know, they're discussing the culture of it. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Um, So like, if someone outranks you, you are trained to obey. So it makes it really hard to speak out against a superior, which I think is, you know, kind of clear. Also, it's a totally normal defense in court is the good soldier defense. So a soldier can win acquittal on the strength of his good service record. Like a fabulous performer could never commit a crime type of vibe. And legit, there was one... Yeah, there was one case where six women testified against an army sergeant, Major Gene McKinney in 1998, and he won because of his cool record of army achievements. It was just the good soldier defense, and that was that. Six women. One soldier got away with it with the good soldier defense, even though he was found at the scene of the crime, pantsless. Oh my God. And in that case, they let the victim's rape kit just disappear and no one was ever tested. Oh my God, this is depressing, yeah. Yeah. Um, Myla, yeah, if you guys sensed my anger throughout Kara's 
<laughs> Recap. <laughs> this is why. Um, Myla Hader, a former CID investigator in Rolling Stone said, understand that they think they're doing the right thing. They don't see it as a mishandling the case or traumatizing this victim. They see it as they're making sure some innocent service member's career doesn't go down the drain because some lying whore filed a report. And she was raped and decided not to report because she just knew on the inside that all her fellow agents encouraged her to stay quiet. And this is Myla. Like, she was assaulted and decided not worth it. <sighs> Hater also said that in her whole career, she has never met one victim that kept their career. Never. Not one. Rape call. I mean, how else do you come yeah. through with that? Most are involuntary discharge and the diagnosis, and they mentioned this in the episode, is of personality disorder or adjustment disorder. Or they end up getting charged for adultery or other dumb military charges like curfew. So now I'll go back about Rebecca. So Rebecca got a rape examination at Fort Gordon's Dwight D. Eisenhower Hospital, and it took six hours. After three days of medical leave, she then headed back to work and right away it fucking sucked. Someone she barely knew came up to her and said, hey, I heard you're lying about a rape to get out of a DUI. Then people started talking shit behind her back and saying how she was a part of a drunken orgy and now she's crying rape to redeem herself. And she said people were laughing about her. They were calling her a stupid whore. And she said it was so shocking to her because of her reputation and she was super well-liked and respected and couldn't believe that people didn't believe her. It's so crazy. The good soldier defense doesn't work the other way. Damn. Wow. How weird. <sighs> yeah. She always did things by the book, she said. And like, if I, and she, she was like, if I did anything wrong, I would have taken the punishment. Like, I would have totally done it. And friends ignored her. Everyone was judging her. And Bhagwati, she says the culture of the military does not look kindly on people who are perceived as victims. So you're taught to work through the pain and deal with physical discomfort and mental weakness and push it aside. And failure to grit your teeth and move on from personal problems isn't just a character flaw, but a threat to the very stability of your unit since there's a mission and that is put above your petty needs. So to them, I guess petty needs is gang rape and drugging should be... Yeah. Gritted. Because this is the kind of person that would never get behind the wheel and get a DUI if they were not drugged, I'm sure. Yeah. You know? So then Rebecca um, thought, like, you know, this would die down. But instead, she was told her security clearance was being suspended until she was cleared of her DUI charge. She was taken off of her duties and put onto janitorial work. And basically, they had decided that she was the problem and they had to get rid of her. She couldn't um, leave, though, because that would be considered AWOL. So she just had to live in this limbo hell. Oh, my God. After waiting more than a year for the results of her rape investigation in April 2011, um, she was sitting across the desk from a new rape investigator who had the gall to ask her, do you think you could have imagined it? And they said that there was just no evidence of an assault and she was found guilty for her DUI and she was discharged from the Navy 10 days later. She was given a bill for $14,000 on her way out, um, which was a reenlistment bonus money she owed them now for the three years remaining on her Navy contract. Oh my God. Uh, and she spent the next seven months of her life homeless. Oh my God. And a study by the Veterans um, Administration researchers found that up to 53% of homeless women veterans have been victims of military sexual trauma. Um, 
But I do have a wild twist. I don't know if they're still together, but she did meet her fiancé while homeless, which is thrilling news. Because oh. she would she would sneak into nightclubs because that's where you can, like, stay at night and be safe. And she met a guy. Hey. Hey. Um, and then Rolling Stone called her a street urchin, which I think is wild. <laughs> like, I've never heard yeah, that Yeah, like, language. you're not all, all of her twist or Aladdin here. She's like... <laughs> They were like, and he had no idea that he was picking up a street urchin. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, we just went through this whole article of all of her trauma, and then they call her a street urchin. And you urchin. call her a street urchin, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I love that word. Rape cult and street, street urchin, taking it forever. <laughs> um, so she right now, I couldn't really find much information about her, but she's semi-active on Twitter. She's a Bernie bro. She has a kid. And she says that this is not the life she ever envisioned living, but is happy to feel normal. Um, and then in her Twitter bio, it says she's a cryptologist, which I thought was cryptocurrency. Kara, what is it? It's actually somebody who does numbers and codes and like deciphers codes. So she probably was like, because she was high level data, you know, in uh, the military. Well, so I bet she uses her training. Amazing news. Because when I saw the Twitter, I was like, okay, so oh, she no. loves crypto. I know. You know what? Cryptocurrency <sighs> has really ruined the, all of all crypto stuff for all of us. Oh, so crypto means something else. That's like a prefix or whatever. Yeah, I think crypto probably means secret or something, like, or hidden, because, like, a crypt, you know, is where you hide things, and then a cryptology is, like, deciphering secret codes, so... Oh, I recently watched uh, Double Jeopardy on a plane again, and it was... Holds up. Oh, holds up. I saw it on my plane and was like, should I watch this? Yes, that's such a goodie. Um, and if you want more information about military rape, there is an Oscar-nominated documentary called The Invisible War. So if you'd like oh, yeah. to know more about rape cults, that would be your source. And that is what I have about Rebecca Bloomer. And I just like hope she's doing good. Oh, yeah. And like she had all of the horrible things that happened to the character happen to her. But then like nobody had to go to jail or get any justice for it. So cool. No, yeah. It's without the fantasy of SVU the twist and it's just like fucked up and it's fucked up that there's people dealing with this all the time. And I left out some stuff. Like it's straight up like you are kind of conditioned to get assaulted and take it. And that's that. Yeah. Ugh. That's disappointing, all of it, and devastating. Um, but thank you for taking us through. We will be cleansing your palate with an amazing interview that I think is going to make a lot of you guys really happy. Um, guys, I know that a lot of you are Broadway people and you're going to be really jazzed to see who we're talking to today. An absolute Broadway icon who has starred in everything from The Sound of Music to Into the Woods to hair, gypsy, my fair lady, and so much more. And let's be real, she's performed on uh, the Countess's Cabaret. So that's uh, one of her most exciting credits. And as if that wasn't enough, she's a TV star that you've seen in Life and Beth, The Gilded Age, and along with um, Mr. Mariska Hargitay, Peter Herman in Younger, a show that I did punch up on once upon a time. But you know her from SVU as... Nick Amaro's ex-wife, Maria. Guys, we got to talk to Laura Benanti. Check it out. 
All right. We're doing it. We did it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being oh my here. Gosh. We're, Laura, we are thrilled to talk to you. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. It's so fun. <laughs> well, before we kick off Test View, I did watch all of Life and Beth in two <gasps> days. Yeah. <laughs> and you were so good, but were you pissed when Amy was like, will you be my mother? And you were like, we're the same age? Or <laughs> No, she, I mean, I knew that I actually didn't. I thought it was always going to be in flashback. So I had no idea that there would ever be a time where I would be in like full prosthetics. So I was just psyched when she pitched it to me. And then when I read the scripts, I was like, huh. And then for a while they thought, oh, maybe they would get an older actress um, to play me and I would just play the young version, but I'm really glad the way it worked out. It was so good. And the girl who plays your daughter, young Amy was so talented. She's like, she's like a tiny Meryl Streep. She's unbelievable. She's so normal. First of all, she's just like a normal sweet kid. And she would just be chatting and having a great time talking. And then they'd be like, action. And she'd be like, single tear. (laughs) Didn't need to like be in the corner listening to sad music. Like somebody I know, like just there, just had it all there. And it's such a sweetheart. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. She's a really sweet girl. You started acting young, yeah? Yeah, I was like 18. I, I, I did like local, like community theater in my like high school shows when I was young, but I wasn't a child actor. Um, Although I realize now 18 is basically a child. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So tell us everything about your SVU journey. How did it all begin? We're assuming offer only. You're not auditioning at (laughs) Chelsea Piers at this point or what? I I, No, not at that point. (laughs) But I had previously auditioned for um, SVU. And it was like, I guess I was like 19 or 20. And I was, had not done a lot of camera work. I was so nervous. And I think I was just like, rah, 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 rah. and <laughs> the director was like, what, what, like, what are you doing? Like, he basically <laughs> just asked me like, what is going on? And I was like, well, I feel like this character is like shy. And he's like, yeah, but she's not a robot. <laughs> like it was, so that had been my previous SVU experience. Um, and then I had just done um, the, the giant television hit, The Playboy Club, which lasted for a full three episodes. I remember it. Um, <laughs> so good. And then, yeah, they called and asked if I would um, come do it. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and that's how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Very compelling story. It's probably good you didn't get that first part because maybe that would have influenced you getting the next part. The part that was meant for you of Maria Amaro's ex-wife. Exactly. (laughs) Slash slash soldier. Yes. (laughs) Was that your first soldier part? Have you played a... Yeah. First and last, I would assume. (laughs) Yeah, we were going to ask, how was was all that? Did you have to learn military lingo and get dressed up in the uniform and everything? Well, it made me laugh because it was like, I was in like a white like tank top and then like, fatigue pants. (laughs) You know, it was very like NBC does the army. Um, But yeah, it was, it was fun. And, you know, you and Amaro are both, or Danny Pino are both very hot. We can see, we can like (laughs) see you guys meeting in the world, getting together, but the relationship's so strained, so difficult. Yeah. So like, yeah. Do you, did you create any kind of story for them? Like what happened? Or were they always missed? Like what, what happened? Like they don't show one moment of happiness no. with them. They just like, we, out of the gate, they, they're they like, they're not good. 
Yeah. There's yeah, like I mean, one it, sex scene where you straddle him in the air, but that's... That was it. <laughs> that was yeah, it. and they were like, the, the pajamas they chose for me were these just like weird... I was like, these are like pajamas I would wear. Like, can I have something a little nicer than this? Um, but yeah, I feel like Danny had such big shoes to fill, you know? Um, and I don't know if they particularly knew what to do. Um, so they were just like, give him a wife that he hates, <laughs> you know? And like, she stole his kid. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I loved working with Danny. He was so sweet and Mariska is an incredible person. It's a really, really nice set. It's a really nice group of people. But yeah, Maria... Actually, one of the weirdest New York City stories I have is I was on the subway. This is like a year after it had aired. And a woman came up to me and she was like, you can't steal people's kids. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, ma'am, I think you have me confused with somebody else. And I sort of like turned away and she was like, you can't just take a kid and move. You can't do that. That's not right. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then she was like, Maria. And I was like, oh my God, that is a character on a television show. Yeah. Like you are. And then I had to move cars. And as I was leaving, I was like, the, the one guy was like, she's just an actor. She's like, leave her alone. <laughs> but people who watch SVU, I think one of the reasons why it stayed on for so long and is so iconic is because people really feel like they know those characters. Yeah, we've talked to a couple of people that play like not liked recurring characters recently and they've told us like that on Twitter and sometimes on the street it gets weird and I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I think this fandom particularly is like like I remember the guy who the woman who plays Stabler's wife was getting a lot of hate for something and it's like that's a character she's playing. Like it's just yes. it's uh, funny that people cannot funny and concerning that people cannot separate them. I feel like she actually reached out to me on Twitter because she saw that that was happening to me and was like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also love that the there was a guy on the subway protecting you. Like, I, oh, she's just an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Let her live. <laughs> well, um, you know, SVU is known so much with like having so many theater actors and New York people. Yeah. And whenever I go uh, see Broadway shows, I'm always looking in the, like everyone's <laughs> bios to see the SVU in there. Were you kind yeah. of like, excuse me, why guys, why have I not done this sooner? I'm a queen of New York what? theater. 100%. <laughs> like all your 100%. friends are there and you're like, what yes. the fuck? Yeah, I think I actually even said to my agents at the time, like, what the hell's going on? Like, yeah. do they not like me? What's happening? But it's when Warren Light took over, who, you know, wrote Sideman and is a, is a big theater guy, that that's when he brought me on. Gotcha. Waiting for the right combo. Have you, yeah, post-COVID, been going to theater shows or have you been, a, a, yeah, have you been acting on the yeah. stage? Well, I've done, like, I finally am back to doing, like, my concert work and, like, that I do. So that's been so nice. Um, I saw six on Broadway, which was really cool. Um, I loved that. I'm going to see company with my, with the wonderful Patty Lapone. I'm going to go see that next week. Oh my gosh. Uh -huh. Another SVU alum. I know. That's what she's <laughs> best known for, isn't it? Wait, we <gasps> talked to Anthony Rapp and he said he has to still pay for Broadway tickets. Do you, are you paying? Yes. You, uh, no of one course. gets that. Okay. <laughs> We thought there yeah. was like a Legends discount, yeah. but I guess <laughs> no. not. <laughs> no, they're like, we'd like you to pay. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, well, when you go to the theater with Patty, feel free to mention that we'd love to have her on the pod. But anyway. I absolutely um, <laughs> um, What was I going to ask you? So wait, in a lot of your scenes with Amaro, though, you're talking on FaceTime? 
Yeah. And so you're obviously, when you're shooting that, just like looking at a camera. Mm-hmm. Is that weird to like act yes. against nobody? Yeah. I mean, I had to do that on Supergirl too, because I played twins. One good, oh, right. one evil. The That's evil one right. had a white stripe in her hair so that you would know, <laughs> just in case I didn't pull it off effectively with my acting, I guess. Um, and I had to act literally into the air and with like a camera swirling around me. And But then the actual scene itself looked incredible. It looked like twins talking to each other. But I guess you just get used to using your imagination and yeah. being like, all right, well, I guess this is what it is. Um, but it's always, yeah, it's, it definitely was weird, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is fun. Um, and how was little Zara? Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was hilarious. She's like such a sweet kid, but also like, I feel like she had like a fan page for a minute that was like all <laughs> over my social media in a way where I was like, this is feeling weird. Um, <laughs> where they were just constantly commenting on everything. And it was all, and it was also like a little questionable. It wasn't her. It was like grownups who are her fans. Oh, yeah, we don't like that. Yeah, I was like, is this its own SVU episode? Uh, yeah. What is <laughs> happening here? Um, but she was adorable, although did not look anything like either one of us. <laughs> I'm like, how did we make her? What happened? Yeah, I used to, I, I've actually, that's occurred to me. Yeah, where I'm like, hmm. <laughs> okay. But knowing Maria, she probably has a different dad. Let's be real. Yeah, you're right. Maria Maria has lots of secrets. So many secrets. <laughs> Would you, um, is your daughter into the theater arts? Would you oh my encourage God. that? Yeah, she loves it. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't know if I could discourage it. You know what I mean? Like, right. who am I to turn to my kid and be like, don't love what you love? You know, it's like, <laughs> and it's what she knows. It's what she's surrounded by all the time, whether I like it or not. And for a while, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be bringing her to work so much because I don't want her to think that this is the this is the world, like this is life and the only world. But otherwise, when am I going to see her? And that's yeah. pretty important to me that I, that I see her. Um, but she started saying things to me like, well, we're actors. <laughs> you know, oh my God, I was just in Aspen doing a concert and she asked if she could sing with me, not with me, mind you. She wanted to sing by herself. I do a solo. Um, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was do like, a little do pop wanna... in. Totally. I was like, do you want to sing Doe Deer together? She was like, no, I want to sing by myself. Um, and she sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And then when well, it was Well, there's no done, stage fright, it sounds like. So she had... So I did a show at 54 Below. She was like, mommy, I want to sing. Fine. Came on stage, fully panicked, had to leave. Like, I, I, it was... I felt so bad for her in that moment. And also like a monster where I was like, I maybe I should have told her no, but... Um, yeah. So then we went to Aspen and she was like, I want to sing with you. And I was like, okay, just remember what happened last time. And I just want you to know you don't have to do this. She was like, no, I want it. So she came on stage and sang. It was so adorable. Then I see afterwards, she's signing autographs for all these people (laughs) and with a crayon. And I was like, where did you get that crayon? And she was like, "I I put it in my pocket. Wow. I was, did, did you think maybe you were going to sign autographs? And she was like, yeah. Wow. Just a little red crayon. I can send you um, a picture. <laughs> it was amazing. That. And the <gasps> crowd crazy. obviously amazing. went wild after she sang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they went nuts. And also it's Aspen. So they're like billionaires. All these people are so rich. So yeah. every photo was like a woman in a mink. <laughs> and I was like, just, it's fascinating. How old is she? Five. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I wanted to say my mom brought me to her job and she worked in an office and I don't do that, you know? So it's like, you know, you, and I always love seeing little uh, like photos of Kate Hudson with Goldie Hawn on set. Like I just, I do like that a lot. Well, it's like, you know, your mom has an unusual job, but she's still your mom. Yeah. You know? Um, Although it's funny because sometimes people will, especially in New York City, recognize me on the street and she'll be like, I don't like that because it makes me feel like you're not my mommy. Which I understand, you know? But it was funny watching her in the position of signing autographs because I was like, so see? Like, you're still my daughter. I'm still your mommy. She was like, yeah. Oh, so maybe next time you get stopped, she won't. She'll be like, do you want my autograph too? <laughs> oh, totally. I have a crayon in my pocket. Well, speaking of that, what has been, have you had wild stage door moments? I mean, the weirdest thing probably that ever happened to me is there was a young man, so adorable, who, this was like pre-social media, who came and like did a selfie with me with like, you know, a disposable camera. And then about a month later, I received at the stage door giant framed pictures of us together. Oh. Like, like life size. Do you still have it? It was amazing. Wow. What so did you do with them? They are still up in that theater. <laughs> I, I, I gave them to the crew and I was like, can you please dispose of these? And they were like, absolutely. <laughs> Cut to every time I got off stage. There was a picture of me. Somebody <laughs> was holding boy. it. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's still there. Oh my God. I love that. That's wild. Pretty great. Wait, I have a question that I have to bring up because you were just talking about 54 Below and yes. I know that you have performed with the one and only Countess Luanne de Lesseps. <sighs> and I need to hear everything about how that is because I will tell you, Lisa and I are both stand-ups. I was I offered know. to do stand-up for her and... My good, my good friend Michelle Buteau couldn't make it and asked me oh, if I could fill I in. Yeah, and I was eight months pregnant and I would have had to rent a car and drive deep into New Jersey. And I was just like, nope. I, I just don't think I can do it even though, and I kind of regret it, but I was just like, it's just not in the cards this time. So I we feel like I missed my everything. shot. So you got to tell me but how But also, if you don't know, Luann has been in an episode of SVU. She has? As yeah. herself? Uh, no, she's at an no, she's like an art gallery. She's at an art gallery oh, I show. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I loved her. So, like, I'm actually not a huge reality TV person. I kind of feel like it's the end of the world. I a little <laughs> bit blame. I like a little bit blame it for Trump and just every everything that's wrong with the world. <laughs> so, I have never seen it. But um, her music director Billy Stretch is a friend of mine, and he asked if I wanted to come sing a song for her. And one of my best friends is obsessed with her. And I was like, yep, I'll do it. And she, <laughs> she came with me. So at the sound check, she was just chatting with me. Thank you so much for doing this. And I was talking about my daughter, who at the time was like a year old. Um, and I was kind of going through it. I had like pretty bad postpartum depression and it was just rough. And um, she was like, you know, if you ever need anybody to watch Ella, I was a nurse and I'd be happy to watch her. And I swear to God, she meant it. I swear wow. to you. And it just makes me laugh so hard at the idea that maybe one day I'd be like, boop, 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 boop. hey, Luann, <laughs> no. it's me, Laura Benanti. I'm taking you up on your offer to watch my child for me. Um, <laughs> well, also, when was the last time she was a nurse? Like four, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, no. It's also like you also raised two children. That, <laughs> yeah, that right. to me is like, 
okay, you're qualified. Right. I just, <laughs> I just, she was so sweet. And it was, it was a really fun night. All of the housewives were there because it was the finale of their show oh. and they were like filming it. And it's so funny because they were all like on their phones, you know, during the whole thing, which pissed me off so much. And then, um, I did this thing that I call the inappropriate medley, which is like a bunch of songs that I should never, ever sing. And I put them together in one big medley and it's pretty funny. Wait, what do you mean you should never sing? Like single ladies and baby got back. And, <laughs> you know, just like songs that no one is like, she should sing those songs. Um, and they were like, like sort of one by one, like looked up and like put their phones down and were sort of looking at each other like, oh, now I like this. Um, but it was, it was such a, um, an interesting dynamic to be a part of. But she's great. I really liked her. I mean, I think it's like a says something cool about her that because, you know, I do think she thinks she has a great voice and, you know, we can debate that. But yeah, I think it says something about her that she will have like a Broadway person come on and sing on her same show. Just like that's obviously going to highlight how not great at singing you are. But she's just like, whatever. You know, she has all these people come on and like you and my friend John, who used to do Broadway, was on her show. Like all these people go on and she's kind of like, great. (laughs) Yeah, I like she kind of has no fear and I, I like that she likes the art form. I appreciate that she's bringing attention to it. Um, it's just such a funny amalgamation of things. Well, you know, now Sonia's touring. Sonia has a touring agent and is going to start to- touring as, um, I believe it's called Sonia in the City. So as a comedian, as a comedian, yes, uh, Sonia's yes. going to do comedy. <laughs> yeah. But okay, but I bet okay. she's gonna do a little bit of her cabrolesque that she does. So I don't she know. Cab- Wait, what? maybe she'll she's call a burlesque you. Performer? She does she everything. Will- she's also in. You know, she thinks she does PR. She promotes <sighs> people. She had a clothing line at Century Twenty One, and then they went under. But she's uh, she had a toaster oven. She's, she's a gal about town. She yeah. apparently owned a Nigerian soccer team. Yeah. Like, there's been a lot. There's been a lot. Whistled, wow. <laughs> but she's on tour, so maybe you guys will cross paths. Maybe she'll have you on. I mean, who knows? I'm so curious. To I would actually go see that just out of <laughs> curiosity. Look, like good, good for them for like making their way and trying to do more than just yeah. like caddy fighting on television. So for sure, yeah. And j- they just get wasted. I mean, sh- yeah. I, lo- I we we love it, but. What is your favorite venue in New York in theater? You've performed at so many. Is there a favorite? I mean, 54 Below is definitely my favorite place. Carnegie Hall is not too shabby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the St. James Theater is like my favorite Broadway theater. It's where I've, I've spent a lot of time. Um, the Carlisle is very beautiful as well. There's so many great venues in the city to play. And I, I feel like they're coming back, which is so exciting. That that was so hard, you know? Yeah. It, it, Especially in like most theater performers, you know, aren't like rolling in it. It's a it's a paycheck to paycheck profession, and so to have two years essentially, or at least a year and a half of no income for people, it, it was brutal. Yeah, and Warren Light was quoted as saying, "I'm going to try to get as many Broadway out of work Broadway actors on this show as possible, like during this time period." Yeah, and he did. Really I mean, he cool. always has. Let's be honest; like he's a really great person. He's a really, really wonderful guy, truly. Oh, that's great well, to we hear. Hope, we also hope to speak to him someday. Okay. <laughs> We're checking everybody <laughs> off of our list. 
avails. Well, I guess we can talk about SVU, but any outside of Warren, anyone else yeah. you met on set that you enjoyed? Any memories or moments? Special or- memories, weird moment with iced tea, anything. Yeah. Did you meet baby <laughs> Chanel? I did not. I did not, but I wish that I did. Um, Marcia is just so awesome. She's so warm and she runs such a beautiful set and she's just a really, really genuine human being. Uh, so that is really nice. I de- I had one scene, I think, where I had to like storm in and like throw papers off a desk. And that was the only time I met Ice-T. And I remember he was just so chill and funny. Like I came in and like <laughs> threw the papers and his reaction was just like, <laughs> so sort of slow and just taking it all in. He was great. But nothing like, nothing... Unfortunately, I wish I had some like fantastic story to tell you other than the woman screaming at me on the subway. And I don't even know if I would call that fantastic as much as just a story. Um, but nothing like really crazy happened. I did, uh, my friend Chelsea, who's now a publicist, um, she came to visit me at the time and she's like obsessed with SVU, obsessed. <laughs> and seeing it through her eyes was pretty incredible. Like everything she touched, she was just like, <gasps> This is a phone that's on the set of SVU. This is a wall that's on the set of SVU. So that was nice. Well, that's so yeah. cool that you brought your friend to meet Luann. You brought your friend to the SVU set. That's yeah. like badass. Are there any other like things that you've done like that for your friends that stick out in your mind? I mean, I feel like my friends and I do stuff like that for each other all the time. Like, I feel like if you're not enjoying life with your friends, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to... I feel like if I start listing them, I'm just going to sound like I'm like, I am Mother Teresa <laughs> and I work only for my friend's pleasure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just really enjoy seeing experiences, not just from my own like perspective, but it's nice to see it through like, like I bring my mom a lot of places because it's exciting for her and my daughter. And um, yeah. it's easy to get jaded in this business and it's easy to forget how like lucky we are to be working on whatever it is. Uh, so I like to be reminded of that. Absolutely. Do people ever ask you in public, like for comics, like tell me a joke or people sometimes like, can you sing something for me? No, but they do ask me to do the Melania impression a lot. Oh, really? A lot. Yeah. Where I'm just like, no, Yeah, (laughs) I'm not interested in that. Um, but no, people don't really ask me to sing, but people I'm sure like with you, they're just like, be funny. Yeah. Oh, you're fun. You're a comic. Can I tell us a joke? Oh, I, yeah. I can't imagine that they're not like, sing me a couple bars, but I guess you've gotten away from that. Yeah, people don't do that, but they're definitely the Melania thing. So what? So how did you like doing that? Were you, were you just like, I mean, it was so funny. It was such so like in the moment. I'm sure you're like, I never want to think about this woman ever again. What was your key to nailing her? Did you study her or were you like, I'm going to make it my own thing and just do like a frozen stare and, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, like I had... I had gone on the Colbert show just to like promote something. And he put a picture of us next to each other. I'd never thought we looked alike. And I sort of just like made the face and like never thought of it again. And then after her famously plagiarized Michelle Obama speech, I woke up to like a thousand phone calls from Colbert show being like, are you, can you come in today (laughs) and do a sketch? And I was like six hours away in Delaware visiting my grandmother. Um, so I got on the train and the whole train ride, I just like was watching her speech and sort of like zooming in on her mouth, like a serial killer. And yeah. then 
we ran through this. Oh, and I was also pregnant with my daughter and I had hyperemesis. So I was just barfing oh constantly. Oh my God, that's the worst. Um, just like puking on a train and then being like, it was <laughs> crazy. Um, and it was a live show. You know, most of the shows are pre-taped, but this was um, live at 11. Uh, and we did it and it was such a big hit um, that we just kept doing it. And it it really came together. Like the first one was definitely and only had five hours to put it together. And then it evolved into that she was sort of this like Borscht Belt comedian <laughs> who like secretly hated her husband, which is right. what I what is which is what I imagine. I think that's basically the truth. Right. But yeah. Right. <laughs> it couldn't be any other way. <laughs> um that's so funny. What a like funny little like moment of kismet where he just like put the photo up and then it was like now, then you just became her. You're like the preeminent Melania Trump impersonator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you'd be happy to like never look at her again. Um, and I always really admire people who stay in New York and live that life. Would you, was LA ever even a thought for you? Have you just come to work or... Yeah, I've lived, like, I lived there. I did go on this TV show with Matthew Perry. Um, I don't even know when it was, like, 2013 or something like that. And I lived there for a year. It's just not for me, you know? Like, I'm just an East Coast person. I feel like LA, I can, like, they just don't understand me, you know? Like, they don't get me. I'm like, any town where I'm a character actress is a fucked up town. <laughs> you know, where they're like, well, she's the funny friend. I'm like, I am. <laughs> um, so I, it's just not for, I'm like born in New York, raised in New Jersey. My family is here. My friends are here. Um, and I'm so lucky that I get to do all this TV and not have to leave New York. Yeah. You know, there's so much good TV here now. I feel like so much is filming here, but um, I like the weather. I just get lonely. I find LA like really lonely. Yeah, it is very isolating here for sure. Yeah, and I just feel like every audition I went to, I just didn't, um, like they didn't get me. I didn't get them. I sort of looked around the room and I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Jersey girl. But then <laughs> you do tour. When you tour in LA, when you come to LA for tour, where do you perform? I haven't been in a while. There's a there's a venue that basically looks like it's in an Olive Garden <laughs> okay. um, that I okay. performed at. It's like a restaurant space, but I played there and that went really well. But there aren't that many spaces, frankly. Yeah, like the Catalina LA. Jazz Club is one. Catalina Jazz yes. Club, I think, is which looks like you're walking into an office building. I think you have to like take an elevator up to the room. I, but that is what I played. Oh, the it Catalina is? Jazz Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, because inside it looks like an olive garden. It's like I've carpeted. never been inside, but I wanted to go okay. when Countess Luann did it. And I like, <laughs> I, I, I called to get tickets and I was like, I, I called it like 10.01 and they were gone. So I haven't actually been, but I've passed it. And like, the only reason you know it is because there's like an LED sign with yes. like the creep of the words. Correct. And you're like, this looks like I'm going to get my taxes done, but I guess 100%. it's a jazz club. Like, Yeah, and just carpeted and like an l shape. And then behind you is a television where they like project like psychedelic images. So I was like, if you love Broadway and are high on LSD, yeah. <laughs> this is the venue for you. I just went to a concert at the Forum yesterday and I'd never been. Oh. And I loved it. it that's was awesome. So where relaxing. is that? It's in Inglewood. Like in Inglewood. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw Dua Lipa. 
Oh, oh, yeah. I'm, so many of my friends have <laughs> pictures of them at Dua Lipa. I like her. Oh, I went as a casual fan. A friend was very into yeah. her and I left a stan. I, I really like her. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not even mad at her for being a model. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm in. She's won me over. Uh, um, uh, are you into the pop people? You're like, uh, no. I mean, a little. Like, I really like her um, and her. You know who I like is, uh, who's the sad one? Billie Eilish. Yes. Oh, yeah. I like her. She's like, she's from our neighborhood in LA. <laughs> yeah. And I think her brother is crazy talented. Um, you'd have to list them for me. Like, I don't remember. Like, the names I hold are like Rosemary Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Julie <laughs> Andrews. Those are like the people that are in my mind. Who's your oh, daughter? Kara's daughter loves Paw Patrol, and sadly, so it's like a lot of Paw Patrol happening. What's in... Where she really likes um, Fancy Nancy, that bitch. Oh, she is the worst. She is like the whitest, privilegious, most awful person. And Ella is like not allowed to watch it. She has to earn it. It's like, she, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's the one thing where I'm like, if you do this, you can watch Fancy Nancy. She's like, okay. Um, but she's really into um, Britney Spears right now because they Ooh. played in her hip hop class. She loves Demi Lovato, confident. Um, she's really funny. And then she also loves, I made the mistake of showing her, um, which is so inappropriate of me. Um, the to sell, block, sell block tango from Chicago. Oh, I have a video of her fully pretending to smoke in like a, <laughs> and it's, it's so horrible. My husband was like, why did you show her that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. Get it over with now. They're all going to, she's going to see it all. (laughs) I'm like, she calls it cigaretting. (laughs) I showed our friend's daughter Wicked. She had never seen it. But then, like just clips on YouTube. But then the next one was from the Mean Girls musical about being slutty for Halloween. (gasps) And I heard her dad be like, can we not listen to that one? And I was like, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, fine, I guess you're messing up. I'm like, it just, it just moved. But yeah, I was trying to get her into Wicked. Do you have like a um do you have like a Broadway role that's like one that you'd always wanted to play that you haven't yet? I mean, I'm so lucky that I really have gotten to play most of the ones I wanted. Like wow. I know that sounds so gluttonous and awful, but like <laughs> the one that had been hanging on for me was Eliza Doolittle and My Fair Lady. And I like totally made peace with the fact that it would never happen. And then I got to do it. I like turned 40 playing that part, which was amazing. Incredible. I was so grateful for that. I mean, I there's a show called The Little Night Music that Stephen Sondheim wrote that in like 10 years, I could play one part. My mom could play my mom and my daughter could play my daughter. And I feel like that would be such a dream. But theater schedule is really hard for a mom. You know, it's like when she was a baby, it was great because I was home all day, except for Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays. Um, But now it's like, I can't be away from her all weekend. I can't right. only be there for one bedtime. It's it's too Oh right. Hard, That's like it's like know? every night. That's so true. It's yeah. Every night except for Monday. So you gotta get back hard. on SVU. You gotta be able to play a different <laughs> character because everyone says Marishka's got her kids around. Everyone's oh, kids are coming in and out. It's, it's like very good for like family style. It is very good for family. She and is she like her schedule, she works Monday through Thursday. So that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she can be with her kids. You know, mm. like that is such a goal. 
I mean, I definitely want to go back to Broadway because I miss it so much, but I feel like I'm going to have to wait for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Or those like short engagements where yeah. it's just like two yeah, weeks yeah. only. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It exactly. does seem so hard. To, like, is it hard to keep your voice good and like, oh, I can't have a cocktail. I can't do Ugh. this. Like, I can't talk today. Like that always yes. is something I admire, but also looks like such a hard life. Totally. That's why like doing a play, like a straight play is the dream. Like right after I had Ella, I did um, a play called Meteor Shop that Steve Martin wrote with Amy right. Schumer yeah. and Tegan yeah. Michael Key and a wonderful theater actor named Jeremy Shamos. And um, it was 75 minutes, the whole wow. play. Wow. It was incredible. Um, but like when I did My Fair Lady, the first act is 75 minutes. Like it's yeah. over three hours, that show. And the amount of singing and yelling and crying. And it really does require you to sort of act like a monk. And you can't turn to your three-year-old and be like, mommy's on vocal rest. They're like, I <laughs> yeah. don't care. Bring me my yeah. fucking juice. So yeah, it really, it it does require like almost, it's like you're an Olympic athlete. Right. So is it like, um? I've always wondered, that, is it like, how do you know when it's okay to like call in your understudy? Do you like never want to do that? That's like a last resort or like, are you, you know? That's such a good question. I feel like it's changing. I feel like the old guard were like, never miss a show. Mm-hmm. Like I will drag my dying body up. Like I performed with 105 fever with pneumonia. Like I have gone on stage and really risked my health. And that was like the only way. And I think now, I would say, especially after COVID and 7 million understudies had to go on all the time and the show was still incredible. I think people now are like, right, we're people. We're actors are people and we're not paid enough, frankly, to endanger ourselves constantly. And like, if you have to be out, you have to be out. So I do think that there in general in our world is like a greater understanding of physical health, mental health, like, not pushing yourself mm. to you break. I do think it's sort of like a 50-50 split on Broadway of, of the feeling of like the show must go on and then other people being like, but not always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there was that story of the woman from Wicked who had like given up acting. Yes. She quit the business and seven years later had to come back and go in for Alphaba because they had gone through literally every possible understudy. Yes. I didn't that know that. So cool. cool. I think it was so in cool. Chicago too, Lisa. I think she yes. was in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. She had like left and had like started an Etsy business <laughs> or like was doing something totally non-related yes. and they were like, girl, get back here. <laughs> like, yeah. It was... Uh, this, the girl from Wicked was like an insurance, like had, had completely had a new career. She was in like insurance or something and they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ding. yeah, and she came back and just, like killed it. That's so impressive. My favorite moment was I saw Hello, Dolly with Bette Midler. I saw it twice, but the one time I saw it, um, one of the male characters was an understudy. And after Mm -hmm. the curtain, you know, they're bowing and then Bette grabbed him and brought him to the front and he got his own applause. And I still get like, I still just chill. Yeah, I really um, loved that moment, seeing her like put him out like that and get She is so generous. She came to see My Fair Lady and came backstage after, which not all stars do, and spent time with everyone. She was unbelievable. And just so like, you're so funny. You're so, like, just giving, like, just giving love to every person in this space. She, I could not think more oh, highly of her. She's my like she's, childhood idol. Like I was obsessed too. with her my whole childhood. <laughs> yes, same. 
She's just incredible. Big business forever. When have you, have you gotten starstruck? Like obviously a Bette Midler moment, but you've met and worked with so many people. I'm sure people come backstage. Like, um, do you remember big starstruck moments? The Obamas. I'm always real weird around them. And I was always very starstruck around Stephen Sondheim, even though I worked with him every day. I would always just be like, so awkward. He must've thought I was very odd. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think. Those are really high Those class are great. names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it takes a lot. That's the answer. It takes a lot to star strike you, but that's it's right. Been done. They, but they struck me down. They sure did. The Obama. <laughs> this is like fully turned into a I Broadway know, podcast. But if I you love it. I am sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, we keep asking. This is like so cool. But let's say, you know, you're coming back to SVU, different character. They yeah. do that a lot. What you know, are you what are you playing? I want to be a murderer. Yeah, Yeah. I want to be a murderer. I think they should just have Maria come back and be a straight-up murderer. Yeah. Everybody hates her anyway. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm just thinking of Zara. I'm thinking of Zara. No, they're going to be, they're going to realize that Zara is not her actual biological child. (laughs) And that she stole Zara and she's going to get what's coming to her. Yeah, she could be a murderer for sure. (laughs) Wow. I mean, not only is this woman so gorgeous, so talented, so smart and funny, she was willing to do this interview with a yoga mat over her entire body, like draped over her head because the room she was in was initially a little bit echoey. And our sound engineer was like, why don't you, could you try this? And she was like, happy to sit on a stool with a yoga mat draped on her and talk to us. We ended up figuring it out, but wow. What a team player. <laughs> it was, it's magnificent. She's so funny, so talented, so pretty, such like just a gem. I don't know. That was like so cool. Yeah. So aware. Like I loved her honesty. I just like, I would love to have some cocktails with her at the Regency. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I I mean, I hope she gets out to LA. I would go see her sing too. I mean, what a talent. And just like... You know, when has this happened where you're like, what are your dream roles? And someone goes, I've actually done them all. So <laughs> I don't know what exactly to say to you right yeah. now. Yeah. Sorry to tell you I could die tomorrow. And, and I'd someone be fine. who has played all her dream roles, again, we will reiterate, was willing to hold a yoga mat over her head folded <laughs> for sound. Um, so this episode was tough stuff. I mean, it's like, you you don't have to get us going about the military industrial complex and how they uh, don't seem to care about women and they certainly don't uh, address sexual assault to the level that they need to because it seems like it's rampant in the military. Um, I was talking to Ed Larson, comedian, podcaster, um, and he was telling me that he went with uh, Jeff Ross to Iraq to perform for the troops, and he was convincing all of them not to re-enlist, and he was hoping that they listened to him. They were like, I don't know, we might, and they were like sleeping in concrete tubes because people were shooting at them, and he was talking to the IT guys, and he goes... Don't re-enlist. Go to New York. Get a job. They'll hire you. You're straight out of the military doing IT shit. Like, go fuck. Go tell everyone your story and fuck. And so he was like trying to re, like, make sure people were not (laughs) re-enlisting. He's like, you've done enough here. You did your duty. Do not stay longer. And I just, um, I loved that for him (laughs) to convince people not to stay in the military. You know, my brother did it and he went to West Point and like he did, you know, Kuwait. He was in Kuwait for a long time and he never really saw like, um, I don't think he saw like 
a lot of actual like war. Um, but he was done when he was done. Like he came home and he's done. I mean, he's still in the reserve, but like, you know, I think it's just, it's, I don't always think, I think it's not always what people think it's going to be. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think there's a lot of politics involved too. And that definitely leaks over into the sexual assault issue that is, you know, pervasive in that branch of what do you call? I mean, I don't know. In yeah, that- <laughs> bureaucracy sucks. Like, I learned that in sociology freshman year of college. Bureaucracy, not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we've talked about before when you, you've you talked about like, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a hero. I'm a policeman. I'm a hero. I'm in the army. I'm a hero. It's like they just get, they want to have these blanket hero labels for certain professions. And it's like, no, they are just people. They are committing crimes. And we, it's crazy to me that the military is like, you know, we create warriors, we create these fine people, leaders, you know, I'm, a lot of military people go on to do amazing things. Why would you not discipline people who are breaking the law? It just doesn't, do they, do they think that it happens so much that they would literally like lose all their numbers? Or like it reflects They'd be like, we don't have enough, we have, we have to get rid of like full battalions because they're all rapists. Well, no, and unf- you know, I'm I right, as you were talking, I started the horrors of like what the Russian army are doing. It's like pretty oh my sick. god, it's really sick shit. It's like twisted, sick. but I think rape is just kind of an element of war, hmm. unfortunately. Um, but they are out there raping children and stealing shit. I don't know. It's outside yeah. of murder, full murder. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like, I don't know if people are still fully paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine, but yeah. pretty terrible. I keep reading about that, about like what the military is doing over there. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what the American military does when they're overseas, but I think it's like, this is an issue about like your fellow officers. These are people that are side by side with you that are going to help defend your life if it comes to it. And you're like... I don't think they respect women. I I mean, I think, no. I mean, all evidence points to. And that's like kind of about the um, like abortion stuff too, where it's like they don't think women are capable of making decisions or should not be able to. And why are you here? Like, I, yeah, I just don't think a lot of the population, including women, respect women. I mean, the amount of women that come up to me after shows and go, oh, I never think women are funny. I know. And it's just like, well, that's It just shows you, you how ingrained the misogyny is. When they go, I normally hate women comics, but you were great. I'm like, there's just so many of them. It's like, there's also, I know more unfunny men than I have like pennies to count. I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> the amount of trash out there. But um, there's just so many f- women that make me laugh. So it's confusing yeah. to me. Because yeah. whenever they say that, I go, really? There's so many. Like Jackie Cation has like a card that she gives out. That's oh, like, you, funny. you've met me at a comedy show and told me that you don't normally find women funny. Here are women. And it's like a list of all these women. It's like a card she gives people when they say that to her. I better be um, on that fucking list, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that the sexual assault too can be like on men. I think it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the aggression of the military or the like take what you want of it all or, you know... Yeah, we can. Not like, I think with the military, uh, it's not honestly, Kara. I was about to say, um, it's just you know, it's also the music industry and like 
comedy and finance and like everywhere there's yeah. assault. But I go, but the military is different because no one gets punished. But then I was like, I guess that's everywhere too. <laughs> like the judicial system. Well, I really guess care. like in these other industries, I mean, just sort of system. I'm not talking about the branches of government and yeah. I am humiliated. They <laughs> just are like under a different law. Like they have their own like laws. I mean, I thought yeah. what was so frustrating too in that episode was that this girl grew up with her father as this admiral. She just wants to like follow in his footsteps. They're a military family. She's encouraged to do that. And then as soon as she gets there, anytime she moves up, they're like, oh, you're just like using your dad's name. And like, it's just like, even a misogynistic thing before the before the sexual assault of it all is like, she can't get any respect no matter how good she is. Yeah, and if she was a guy, it would be like, oh, you're following in your dad. There would yeah. not be that oh, thing. Epic family, thing. like the Mannings. Like, oh my God, so cool. Like a whole family of, of military legends. But no, it's like the woman is like, you're like a name dropper on your dad and like, get over it. Like, it's fucked. They just don't respect women and refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah, that's why we need a female president so she can be the boss of the military. I mean, the, <laughs> I just wish... I wish we could see what the world would be like if Hillary was president. Like, I know. can a ghost not visit me and take me I on know. a journey? I just want to know. I just... Everything I want to slide indoors that shit so bad. <laughs> everything she said happened. Yeah. Everything. But her voice is so annoying, Lisa. She's just not personable. She said that Pokemon Go thing. We couldn't have elected her. I hope everybody's getting my sarcasm. Anyway, um, speaking of Hillary Clinton predicting everything horrible in our future dystopia, uh, we wanted to, uh, last week's episode, we pointed out Planned Parenthood of California's initiative, sayabortioncalifornia.com, and they are actually having an event tomorrow, May 25th. This episode comes out on May 24th, so this is tomorrow, Wednesday, May 25th, in Long Beach. It's going to be the governor of California is involved. Uh, apparently, celebrities are involved, so it's going to be a really huge event and uh, we just wanted to let you guys know about it and hopefully you can attend if you live in the Southern California area and you are passionate about reproductive rights. And that takes me right into what would Sister Peg do? Our weekly segment where I give you guys a resource to help flesh out what we talked about on today's episode. Um, today, I wanted to highlight the organization Protect Our Defenders. Uh, they are the preeminent national human rights organization dedicated to ending sexual violence, victim retaliation, misogyny, sexual prejudice, and racism in the military. They do this through policy advocacy, legal challenges in military courts, and uh, reports exposing systemic abuse, and by filing amicus briefs to protect the rights of survivors and enforce their rights. So, um, and apparently their legal services program is the only program in the country that provides free services specifically to survivors of military sexual assault and sexual harassment and bystanders and whistleblowers who are suffering retaliation for interviewing or reporting. So that's huge. And um, I'm glad that an organization like this exists to help those people. So uh, that is, um, if you want to learn more information, make a donation, you can go to protectourdefenders.com. That's all also going to be in our show notes as well as on our Instagram. If you ever miss a What Would Sister Peg do, they are all in our stories on Instagram called WWSPD. 
Thank you so much for that. And next week, we will be doing The Burden of Our Choices. Get ready to get mad. And that is season (laughs) 21, episode four. Get with it, bitches. Yes, yes, yes. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Blessed. Up is an exactly right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at that's messed up pod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at that's messed up pod and on Twitter at messed up pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Annalise Nelson, and to our mixer, John Bradley. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Dun-dun! Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.